let's get this show started. Rock and roll. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to what I believe is episode five already. That means five whole weeks. Still on this. the air. Yeah. Yeah. If, Haven't been canceled yet. If we could be canceled, we might have been, but thankfully. <laughs> because we demanded it. Yeah, back back by unpopular demand. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Oh, well. Um, thanks, everybody, for showing up. I, I know there was some potential uncertainty uh, this week due to the death in my family, but I'm not going to let something something silly like that keep me down. We're going to I think what you're doing I think what you're doing is healthy, man. I think you've been handling this well. <sighs> well, that's just because I keep all of my like crying and self-loathing off of social media, which is really weird for somebody my age in this time of right. Uh th this day and age, but no, I I I think that doing the fun things and believe it or not, this is fun for me. Uh, is really and interactive. Yeah, uh, I think that's really <laughs> important. So, I totally agree. Um, I was, when you mentioned <laughs> posting stuff on social media, I was just thinking about like what it would look like if previous generations of young people had been on the internet, right? Oh, like face Facebook in the '80s is just like all Depeche Mode songs, right? Yeah. No, one of my favorite like memes that floats around ever is it's like uh, somebody posted something that was like, you know, in, in uh, 1987, somebody says, oh, look, I found a picture of my grandpa. And it's like this black and white, pristine, old-timey photo. And then they were like in, you know, in 2037, somebody's like, oh, look, I found a picture of my grandpa. And it's like somebody's selfie or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that meme goes so many different ways and it's fantastic every time because the amount of like just access to cameras and recording and and so on right. and so forth is going to drastically change the way we look back at things. I totally agree. Unfortunately, they're going to have a much more accurate view of reality than we might want them to have. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing because I think of like, you know, I'm old enough to remember when the History Channel was like actually the History Channel and like the Learning Channel yeah. was actually the Learning Channel. And I remember like the History Channel got the ratings it did because it eventually became what I used to jokingly call the Hitlery Channel because they would just run like <laughs> they would run like Hitler documentaries 24/7 and people were really interested yeah. in it because he's a naturally like uh, yeah. interesting figure in history. And all I can think of now is like, can you imagine? Like, if Hitler had social media and had access to all of these things and how much more in-depth you could dive into it, like, the History Channel um, would have never got out of that phase, right? Like, now they do things like Vikings right. and all sorts of stuff, but, like, it would just be... Right. Do you remember that time Hitler tweeted once at 2 a.m.? You know, I hate Rosie It's O'Donnell. funny you mention that. <laughs> it's funny you mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> They're perfectly good people on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is, it's an interesting thing just because there are so many people that are just so, yeah. like, willing to come forward to that information. And I'm, you know, right in that boat. I can't obviously be judgy or anything like that. It's just, it's just yeah. a unique, it's a unique time. 
You know what I was thinking too, like, because I was actually talking to Sandra just recently about like the death of like actual learning and actual history on those channels, and uh, how they got replaced with like, uh, I'm white trash and I'm gonna go dig through some garbage and get what collectibles I can find. <laughs> I think that what happened is, in the '90s, those were chan- like we had a satellite dish in the '90s, and like we got like the learning channel and it was super compartmentalized it's like if you had enough money to buy access to this channel you probably went to college and so you probably you know are looking for a certain kind of content i think once the learning channel went (laughs) onto basic cable or when we all got access to the 900 channels you know you do what everybody who wants to make money does which is kind of cater to the lowest common denominator and there's probably a lot more people who want to watch american pickers than there are people who want to watch you know an in-depth documentary about himmler (laughs) <laughs> you know, I there there might be some truth to that. For me, I would like to know the like the actual history of the network because part of me wonders, and I have I don't know this right. This is entirely speculation, but part of me wonders if those channels um, either started from some sort of grant or funding, and then the grant ran out, or if they started as like uh, smaller media companies that were then later bought out by somebody. Because there is something else to be said about like you know, when ratings starts to matter, right? And ratings obviously matter more to mega companies and, and things like that. And, the, you know, those those things that are not like, you know, Bill Nye the Science Guy, for example, are going to drive ratings so much more. Um, right. But I, like, I'd be curious to know if they were the result of, uh, you know, grants or things. Because, I you know, I've worked in nonprofit, and I can tell you that uh, yeah. I've been in projects where they were you know grant funded and then the minute that the grant ran out you radically changed what the project did because you were no longer under those constraints and that night may not even be like you know we didn't change it because we were like you know greedy or anything right we were a nonprofit. it was just we had to abide by those guidelines in order to keep receiving the funding and the minute it's gone right. like no, that's a good point that is a good point and i definitely feel you on that i mean as somebody who works for a nonprofit as well. <clears throat> I mean, it's the same thing with news stuff too. Not that this is like test legends related, but we'll make that uh, segue in a second, <laughs> you know, new, news, <laughs> news channels, you know, I remember in my youth, they were like really straightforward because again, um, like ratings weren't, weren't the thing, right? Like advertising right. wasn't what the driving right. force was behind it. And it's very clear now um, yeah. that that, that is the case. I almost, I almost no. wonder what news would look like if you weren't ever allowed to make money off of it, right? Like, if it would look like PBS. <laughs> well, maybe. Actual news. <laughs> I don't know what's the show. It, it, uh, God, there used to be two old guys uh, on PBS who had an, a week. The News <laughs> Hour with Lehrer and is it, and is it that every PBS show though? <laughs> like... Yeah, that's true. But it was, it was. Jim Lehrer was one of the two guys, and, and he's the only one I think who's still left from that. I and mean, he might not even be around anymore. But I remember that show, like in history class in high school, having to watch that show because our teacher was like, you know, this is where you're going to get actual news because they don't give a, give a shit about the ratings. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Or like C-SPAN, right? Like where it's just like right. raw, uncut, like right. fall asleep to TV. You know, C-SPAN was pretty exciting a couple weeks ago. I was like, I was literally watching C-SPAN like on the edge of my seat, waiting for McCain to vote on the healthcare bill. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't have its moments. I just mean, yeah, like, that's also what, the, what real news looks like. 
Well, that was its only moment, actually, in, in its 30-year history. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, to uh, circle this around, there were... <laughs> there, there were some uh, bits of news in the Legends community this week. We got a new type of gauntlet that was announced, and we were also teased with the fact that there will be other uh, new gauntlet modes coming this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind nice, of exciting. Nice internet detective work, getting that out of uh, <laughs> yeah, Solid <right>. Age. <laughs> yeah, the downside, though, is like, I, I 100% expect, this is my fault, right? Like, yeah. I 100% expected people to read the tweets and see the context, so I made a super clickbaity title, and right, then right. people did not see the context, and then he had to come yeah. in and clarify, and so that was me putting my faith in like reading comprehension, which I know better in right. this day and age, but um, yeah. the, the reason it's a problem is because now... I'm afraid AJ won't give me bits of news. <laughs> but like it was, it was meant to be a joke. I was expecting people to go, oh, haha, And then they were like, no, yeah. they, they really expected game modes when it was very right. clearly talking about gauntlet mode. Right. Um, no, I hear you. No, I, I, I'm excited about this. I think this this just just one new gauntlet mode is exciting. The fact that he alluded to there being more new gauntlet modes is fantastic. And I think they've gotten a pretty cool one to kick off the, you know, the series of new ones. Yeah, it to me it's interesting, right? Like, I'm I'm happy just to see like anything new, just because it gets me out of my comfort zone. Sure. Yeah. But like the timing yeah. of this one feels weird for me. I would have liked to have seen this one release, um, like shortly after the Heroes of Skyrim expansion, when you were okay. likely like we had just had mobile release, and then you did the E3 announcement, and you got all those people coming in. It would have been, I think, the yeah. right time to potentially target the new players. So, yeah, I like, agree with that, that yeah. would have felt like a better transition of, hey, you know, we get it. You don't have a complete collection. Do this. Right. Whereas I think at that time instead, wasn't it that like when we had like the super competitive all art javelin one? It felt like the, yeah. these should have been flip flopped. You know. Yeah, I, th- I think the week before Heroes of Skyrim release, we had the the one with the the leaderboard, the epic gauntlet. And then, like two weeks later, we had the alternative art one. Alternate art one. Zombie Hunter in chat writes, "I'm a little surprised at how many people are upset with the, the popper format." I agree. I was shocked actually by how negative my Twitter feed was. Um, um, I guess I should preface that by saying I'm not shocked in general that my Twitter feed is negative, because <laughs> <laughs> that's just sort of how people are. But. I was pretty shocked that anybody was not excited about this because, I mean, it's a totally new format, right? Like, there's some decks that translate pretty well into an all-common format, but it's an opportunity to play with all sorts of cards that you don't play with a lot. And I I thought that was the sort of thing that a lot of people who play the game because they love the game would be excited to see. Well, so I will represent the other side of that argument. Yeah. Is Is it true that we get to play with cards we probably wouldn't have played with before? Yes. But is that necessarily more fun? I don't know if the answer to that is yes, because a lot of the things that I would consider to be fun are some of the best uh, interactions, uh, some yeah. of the best like ways to take advantage of uh, this game's mechanics over others, for example. Because yeah. like, let's be honest, Legends has some pretty unique mechanics in it, and that's what makes it stand out. Um, right. Those cards, in all honesty, just don't exist very much in commons. So, yeah. so while you are forcing somebody out of their comfort zone, just because it's limited doesn't mean it's necessarily more fun because I don't get to play Altar of Despair and I don't get to do things like, 
Like, look at all the cards that trigger when you break a rune. Like, runes are integral to legends, right? Yeah. So that's true. So, like, yeah, you we'll still have you know commons that are your prophecies and whatever. But like, I'm never go right. gonna get my Dawnstar healers, my Halfinger Marauders, my Ulfric's House Carls. Like, that's even true. East March Crusader is a rare, right? So like, almost all of the Nordic synergies are out the window almost immediately. Um, I know a lot of people on Reddit, for example, were like, well, we're just going to see a bunch of orcs. But the truth is, like... Yeah, orcs can't... You can't do orcs. No, like, all of the worthwhile <laughs> orcs are, like, rares. Yeah. Now, if it was... In, in the past, people have done, like, homegrown popper. And for that, people yeah. have said commons and rares, just because there was enough right. rares to support deck archetypes. But... Right. For me, um... Like, you know... it. <laughs> There's just not a lot that are strictly in commons. Like, even if you say, like, I want to build a shout deck, right? Because shouts yeah. are commons. Uh, the yeah. the graybeard is a common and word wall is common, right? Let's just say I'm right. going to take that. That's 12 cards. So that's like right. one, one fifth of your deck. And then you still have to, like, right. cram it full of a bunch of other stuff with no way to, like, you know, force that synergy out. So, again, uh, I can understand many of the arguments for the people who are saying, like, it's not fun. Just because, um, I mean, yes, it's a it's a different and it's a limited card pool, but it does also limit the number of potential like interactions. Yeah, let's let's keep it hundred here though, right? Like, the direction you want to go with this is uh, a prophecy deck running red cards, right? <laughs> I mean that 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 looks uh, pretty straightforward. I, you and I were talking before we went live on the broadcast that um, right. Um, you know, you said Prophecy Battle Mage, and I said Prophecy Archer, um, but yeah. both of those are heavy Prophecy decks featuring red. Um, right, and with, with Super Secret Tech card, Dark Harvester. Well, yours was running Harvester, mine wasn't. Um, <laughs> That's what I expect to see a lot of. Justin's a little loud in real life, actually. It's just carrying over into the into this nickname <laughs> by the way shout out to cbh and riri barker good to see you both here uh i found out it's ray ray and i also felt bad for slaughtering it for so long i'm probably quiet because i am not talking toward the mic i keep turning my head like this and down because i uh, am naturally submissive in life i am a baby right, i'm a top so this is how this works yeah well i mean you had to, you had to assert yourself in prison and I, I did actually <laughs> i i say thank you sir may i have another to every officer i meet so that i don't go to prison <laughs> let me tell you a quick story about that actually <laughs> <laughs> so the guy in the cell next to me he's never getting out so i have no, not, no problem using his prison nickname dude's name was congo right <laughs> and i was uh i was really i was good for, i was close to his cellmate right who is getting out so i'm not gonna use his name but um <clears throat> So he was uh, doing life plus life plus life. And so he had a private industry job where he would uh, sew shirts all day. So he was making like $6 an hour or whatever that he, they could get away with paying him. And so he had enough money to buy drugs. So he was always hot. And one time he invites me into his cell. He's like, hey, man, come come hang out. And here's, oh, I got to tell you this real quick. He One time we were playing poker and uh, he called me Lil Congo. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm like Zaire. And he looks at me. And this is like when I first got to prison. He's like, we're going to be cool, right? And we were friends from that day since. But anyway, he uh, he invites me into a cell and he offers me some some uh, mamba, some spice, you know, that fake weed stuff. He's like, hey, man, why don't you take some of this? And of course, like, I'm not stupid. I know this means that, like, <laughs> first of all, he wants to have sex with me. And second of all, like, uh, 
this is bad. I should get out of the cell immediately. And I was like, no, nah, that's cool, man. He's like, when are you going to let me hit that? <laughs> and I was like, and I, I had, I'd like, you know, half a second to come up with a great reason why he wasn't going to have sex with me for the next several years while I was there with him. And so what I said to him was, uh, you know, I'm sorry, man, but I got somebody waiting for me on the outside. And it's important to me. <laughs> and he looks at me like for a second. He's like, I respect that. <laughs> wow. That's so and funny. You want to never try to have sex with me again. I was going to say, <laughs> Maybe maybe I'm not cut out for it, but that was not the excuse. Like when you said I had half a second in my head, I immediately went, "You can do it as soon as my anal warts stop flaring up." <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like no. I need something permanent. I need something that he is not gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, I got a fun story related to the word Congo. When I was like yeah. uh, 12 years old, the movie Congo was one of my favorite movies. I probably watched it like 30 times. Yeah, man, gorillas with laser beams. Right? Like, Who doesn't want yeah. gorillas and lasers? Amy, good gorilla. Yeah. Right. We need more gorillas in Legends. I don't know if there are any uh, gorillas in Elder Scrolls. Eh, there should are be. Are there? Well, why I not? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, about, about that popper. <laughs> <laughs> popper gauntlet. Look, I'm... I'm <laughs> Oh man, Maricon's here too now. <laughs> Welcome, Maricon. We want gorillas and uh, preferably yeah. one named Congo. And yeah. <laughs> Savage Ogre exists. Fire Drake points out. It's a good point. Um, so you know we were talking a little bit uh, before we started about like what a control deck would look in, like in Popper. Like we both kind of fooled around with it. Yeah. Um, you know because you have access to a couple reasonable looking guard creatures, especially in purple. Uh, do you see, like, what, what do you see as a good way to run control, or do you think it's possible in this gauntlet? I, I'm i not convinced that you can in this gauntlet. I think that you can run uh, tempo, and I think you can run mid-range with some support, like, removal yeah. tools. But, right. like, first of all, pretty much all your AoE is out the window, right? Um, yeah. Even Firestorm is a rare... Uh, okay. You know, Immolating Blast is epic, Ice Storm is epic, Dawn's Wrath is a legendary, like the list goes on and on. Um, even yeah. some of your better spot removal is, you know, rare or above. So realistically, you're looking at, um, you know, it's probably some sort of like mid-range mage where you can take can, uh, take advantage of things like Firebolt, Cunning Ally for more Firebolt, Lightning Bolt, Piercing Javelin, um, yeah. Execute, right? Like you can do a controlling-ish mage package, and then you're not going to have, like, mage traditional finishers, so you're going to have to just rely on, like, some of the mid-range threats, in my opinion. Um, right. Other than that, you might be also, like, I toyed with the idea of maybe doing some sort of crusader package, because red has uh, some decent pings, um, you know, you get Skaven Pyromancer and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you, I was definitely looking at Skaven Pyromancer. Uh, you definitely get access to uh, Piercing Javelin still if you go with Crusader, but you also have Fell the Mighty. Um, yeah. I, I question actually how many cards you're going to see that are for attack and above, but again, like if yeah. you're trying to do something controlling-ish, I think that those might be the way to go. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like I, I expect to see either... Um, you know, mid mid range decks. Like I said, I expect mid range mage to be pretty big. Um, I think mid range sorcerer has a decent list available, and then the rest is going to yeah. likely be aggressive prophecy heavy decks. I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> I was looking at like a lot of the dragon. The ch there, there are cheap dragon synergy cards. I think right. Aren't those commons? 
I mean, there are, but there's not a ton of common dragons, right? Like you get mystic right. dragons. Right. Yeah, I, I think there's one in each color. Um, it does. I don't even think agility has a common one because sheer point is a rare. Serpentine stalker is. I think it's. A I think it's Dova. Isn't Dova of the Voice? Oh yeah, I guess I always forget that that one's a thing. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, Dova of the Voice might not be a terrible like mid-range finisher type card with additional value. Yeah, and I was going to say CVH. I was looking at East Empire Crafter because I was looking at Cave Bear, and uh, and the Orc with the alternate art that costs four. So I was definitely looking at those as well. Um, yeah, I, I think East Empire certainly has enough, uh, just because a lot of the tools that you would traditionally use to go through guards are obviously not available. I think that uh, Shield Breaker has a chance to shine. Um, even yeah. after the nerf, just because it's one of those things, because right. uh, there's just not a lot of uh, silence effects, right? Um, right. I think it's just the two-two with prophecy and purple. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Or maybe bone bow is bone bow common. I think that's a rare. I might be wrong. Wow. But I, I thought okay. it was a rare. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm, I know that for me, I'm going to do at least four runs because that's what you need for the, the leaderboard. I'm looking at playing a, a Prophecy Battle Mage deck. I'm looking at playing a Warrior Midrange, Sorcerer Midrange. And then I really want to play Mono Purple because like it's just sort of a hobby of mine. But I was crestfallen today to discover that Gloomwraith is <laughs> not yeah. a common. It, it is not a common, no. Yeah. Yeah, you know... There are some, there are some interesting things that I've seen some people mention. Um, things like Action Mage, just because um, something like Crystal Tower Crafter, for example, actually might shine in this because of the lack of, uh, you know, ways to remove it early. I'm not saying that there aren't still like Firebolts and whatever, but like you don't have to worry about being Earthbone Spinnered in this format, right? So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, like, let's let's look at like uh, casting cost by casting cost, right? I'm gonna pull up the client here, here real fast. See if we can identify some of the most powerful cards by at like one Magicka at two Magicka. Okay, that'd be interesting. See what we're working with here. Anybody who's out there who isn't familiar with legendsdex.com, I highly recommend it. It's a great resource. Unless you're on mobile. Just kidding. If, oh, if, you know if you're watching, I love you guys, but yeah, my phone and it do not play well. So at zero commons, we have and what's playable here? Um, hmm, Murkwater Goblin might be the best. Oh, Nord Firebrand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's Nord Firebrand, right? Like, it's, uh... Yeah, that works. It's time to fight. It synergizes with, uh, cheap equipment. At the one-drop slot, we've got quite a bit of stuff going on here. Um... I think Brutal Ashlander could be really good if you're playing any sort of aggressive... Uh, I agree. I think Brutal Ashlander could be an all-star. I think Black Retreat Builder might find its way into uh, a non-existent control deck. <laughs> I was looking at Crown Quartermaster for my Battle Mage list because, uh... The two red guards that, you know, get increased stats when you put equipment on them are both commons. Yeah, and Steel Scimitar is also a common. That's fair. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Deathless Draugr, um, Deadly Draugr, 
both cards that were uh, in early iterations of the scout deck that I played like a year ago uh, are you know reasonably powerful cards. Although I don't know this is the meta for them. The what else we got here? Drain vitality, obviously, really really I mean, strong. You know, I said before the broadcast that I was leaning heavily towards seeing what prophecy archer could do. If you wanna if you wanna save yourself some time, uh, queue up like some archer cards real quick, and then type the word prophecy into the search, and it just auto completes itself. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up with, <laughs> I ended up with twenty seven cards in the deck before I even started using my brain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. One of the things, you know, as uh, you're kind of looking through the list for some more stuff to mention, um, one of the things that I yeah. said earlier in this week when I was live on stream that I was kind of excited for, for potentially in future gauntlets, was the idea of us getting more cards. I really liked the gauntlet where we got yeah. the alternate art javelins, but, um, you know, I had, I had said on stream that I think it would be really cool if at least once a month we actually had a round where we got new cards right so yeah. like we get the we get the monthly card which is awesome and it certainly shakes things up and usually what happens is it's like for the first week after each month rolls over um the meta is like different because everybody wants to try the new card right so you get people uh -huh. playing the new card you get people designing decks to beat the new card and then you get people playing whatever their normal deck is or favorite deck is um, yeah. And then after the first week, things kind of settle in for the second week. And in my head, I was thinking, you know, if we wanted to go on like a shorter cycle, what if we have like the monthly reward card be that? And then at the middle of each month, we always have a gauntlet that like just introduced a new card, right? Like you pay your entrance into the gauntlet uh, entrance, uh, you know, your entrance fee gets you three copies of the card. And then if you miss out on that gauntlet, just like the monthly reward cards, you can craft them. Um, I like it, it doesn't have to necessarily be an epic. Um, they could do fun stuff like you have to build a deck with this card or, um, you know, build, I don't know, decks with these colors or if it's a class card. I don't I don't know. You don't even have to build with it. Just give us something new. And then that right. way you kind of have like that mini cycle occur again, right? Like a halfway point through the month, you get a bunch of people who want to try the next new card. And then there's like a week where everything settles down and then start the cycle again, right? Because one of the things that people you know kind of complain about is that things you know feel stale and like mm -hmm. i get that especially if you play the game a lot right like you're putting in hours and hours and hours and you're starting to see the same things over and over again so just taking that kind of an opportunity to one shake things up would be cool and two i know that well i mean i guess i don't know but i suspect that the in-game economy is at some point going to need uh, some additional ways to like siphon off gold right the the twitch drops thing is incredibly generous um several 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 people have said um you know that they've got like thousands and thousands of gold and gems stored up for whatever the next expansion is so uh you know if you had some sort of you know gauntlet mode that people wanted to at least have like one entrance in a month just to get some new cards it might help siphon some of that off um, yeah you know what would be an interesting gauntlet i think this this pairs with your idea pretty well submit a 47 card list and uh you'll get for entering into the gauntlet three copies of one of like five new cards put into your deck you play with it for the very first time on the gauntlet that could be interesting. I don't know if 
I don't know if that would go over well with a lot of people because you wouldn't have control over it. For me, like, I keep going back to, you and I have said several times that, like, Madhouse ultimately ends up being our favorite of the new card sets that ever came out. And so I was trying Absolutely. to think of ways that we could, like, repeat that lightning in a bottle. And yeah. so, like, imagine if, you know, obviously we can't have Alter again, right? But imagine if, like, Alter of Despair didn't exist, but it was introduced as a gauntlet card and they said, hey, build a deck with this and go compete. Like, yeah. that would have been a lot of fun, right? So That would have been great. Yeah. Oh, uh, Kakalokianio writes all legends gauntlet. I built a deck with fifty legendary cards with it, and I could not win a game. I had to pare it down to thirty nine before I was able to win any games. <laughs> so I've tried that. <laughs> um, you know, I want to give you a quick update on the list of cards that are common that look real strong in the, uh, at the two drop slot. Uh, I'm really interested in Windkeep Spellsword. It's just, you know, a uh, stat stick. I think it's really interesting and really strong. I think this might be a format where if you're going big, you might want to try running the uh, the forgotten redheaded ramp child, if you will. Um, his speaker. His speaker is at common. Those are my two discoveries so far. And Reachman Shaman might not be terrible either. Interesting. I think that uh, like when it comes to when it comes to the neutral cards, I think there are some things that obviously stand out. Like crushing blow is a common, gristled hide uh, drag is a common. That could be a nice, yep. um, you know, drawing engine. It also should trigger with mm -hmm. East Empire Crafter, which is pretty fantastic. Yep. Um, I agree. I was disappointed to see that flesh sculpture was not a common. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Because I was looking to cheese it just like it did the Creatureless Challenge. <laughs> oh. So, you know, I think that this, the, the, the popper format, you know, while it might not be what some of the, the real uh, spiky competitive players are looking for, I think it's a cool indication that we're going to get some neat stuff in the future, right? Um, you know, like this is a pretty straightforward one that's going to be a little bit different than what we're used to. And it, it uh, I'm curious what you think might be the next, like uh, aside from the idea of introducing new cards, what's some more gauntlet ideas are that you have that you might think we're going to see before the year's out? Oh man. Um, I mean, the, the, the beauty is, is that there's actually so many things that you could do just based on, right things that already exist in the game, right? They could do a gauntlet mode where they say ahead of time, these are going to be the special lanes, go abuse it. Yeah. Um, like they that. could do a gauntlet mode where it's, you know, you start with special supports in play, like everybody starts with a Wabba Jack. I mean, think Chaos Arena, right? Chaos Arena yeah. has a ton of scenarios, so they could throw those at us. Um, even if you wanted to uh, do something that was not like RNG or wacky, but still w within the bounds, right? The next one could be monocolored, right? Just that's what that's what I was looking at, man. That's you know, what I want to see. Yeah, you know, go go play a monocolored deck, right? Let the best ally win. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, the best ally is the blue one, but <laughs> I, I think that mono blue. I, I, I'm really excited about the idea of a monocolored. Uh, Oh, uh, so, so Maricon is clearing things up. For those of you who don't know, uh, Maricon, uh, Paul, is one of the 
developers at Direwolf Digital. He's hanging out in chat. Yeah. Uh, he says there must be a misunderstanding. It's a paper format, not a popper. To play, you need to print out your cards. So Ooh. I guess this changes things. Um, I guess that means I'm ready to go, right? Because I've got <laughs> I've got some cards just raring to go here. Um, these are actually on my desk hanging out because I'm waiting to get some frames. I'm gonna frame the sets uh, and put them nice. up, hang them up behind me. But nice. I haven't picked up the frames yet. So I'm ready to go. I got some printed cards. I don't know about you guys. Gonna be the paper format champ. Hmm. I'm looking around at my desk here to see if I have anything comparable. Uh, I have an advertisement for the Dracula Ballet, the, which I bought tickets for. <laughs> Dracula Ballet. Yeah. That's, that's about all the paper I have on here. That's cool, though. Paper format would be neat. Um... You know what? One of the things I want to just praise Legends here for a second, though. One of the things that, and, and this holds true for Eternal, Direwolf's other digital card game. Uh, one of the things that's great about Legends is that they do things really well that you can't do in a paper game. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like Hearthstone where it's like, hey, what if we include the word random? Because you can't do that in person, right? Yeah. This, this isn't like magic with a 20 sided dice, like Hearthstone sometimes feels like. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, they do a really good job of making things interesting. I mean, to, to Hearthstone's credit, I actually did like the Discover mechanic when that came out. I thought that was a good use of the digital format. But I do think that Direwolf does a much better job, both between Legends and Eternal. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, the first time that I saw, like, the Warcry mechanic, I thought, like, that's the perfect use of the digital format. And actually, the first time when I played Eternal and I realized that, like, buffs and silences followed cards between zones... Yeah. Right? Like something that was buffed in play was still buffed in the graveyard and something that was silenced in play was still silenced in the graveyard. Like it's such right. a simple thing, but like it just blew my mind, right? Like it makes sense why right. that doesn't work that way in a paper card game because then you're trying to keep track of too much stuff. But it I also, agree. in my mind, makes perfect sense why it works that way in a digital format because it has the power to remember. Um, something so simple, but I was like, no, that like they nailed it. That's exactly what I want out of my digital formats. Um, I totally agree. You know, that reminds me of a thought I was having, right? I was wondering, maybe we should revisit, let's let's talk briefly uh, about Praetorian Commander. <laughs> sure. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, Praetorian Commander was everywhere when Heroes of Skyrim dropped, right? Um, and now it's nowhere. And I think, I think I miss it. I think I miss it. And I think I was wrong to ever want it nerfed. Um, you don't miss it. Let me start there. Really? Am I just like looking back with rose-colored glasses? Yeah, I think you are. Um, here's listen. Um, I I don't think that the card was in like inherently overly like powerful, and I didn't think that the card was as much of a problem. But I was a bit desensitized because I had played Eternal, and so I was kind right, of right. like already like used to the mechanic. But I think that the primary difference between a game like this and a game like eternal is that eternal doesn't have prophecy so right. in a game like this when you give like your entire deck a buff like that and and you know plus one plus one where it's at now i think is fine but the plus two plus two yeah. is like not exactly a marginal buff right so right in eternal you're saying you know i'm banking on my future draws but in this game like you had the potential to play commander and then if somebody swings in for like six and breaks two runes mm -hmm. like 
you know, Commander's downfall was supposed to be that it was like a low tempo play because it didn't impact the board. But then if right. somebody hit prophecies, it suddenly did immediately impact the board, right? And those were the times when it would change things. So while I don't think that the card was necessarily like oppressive is the word I would use, I do think that it created a scenario that was potentially unfun for new players and players at lower ranks. To me, I compare that nerf to the Divine Fervor nerf of old. I felt like Divine Fervor always was entirely fine at 4 Magicka yeah. uh, when they nerfed it. I did not think that that was a power level thing, but I did understand that due to like ubiquity at lower ranks, uh, that it right. was probably a good move, and I feel like the commander was, was very similar. Um, and the reason I say that you probably don't miss it is because... Um, <laughs> Because I, I hate prophecy decks. You, well, yes, you specifically, I think, don't miss it because I know that you, uh, yeah. just like who you are as a being, are pretty much against yeah. any deck that runs more than say like twenty-five prophecies. Yeah, um, we're on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> so fair enough. Well, I'm glad. I thank you for for setting me straight there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I think out. I think that you know if you played Eternal then. The, the mechanic of like buffing things in your deck or even like buffing every card in your deck because Eternals had that since their core set shouldn't really come yeah. as a shock or a surprise but again I think that the big difference was just that you know in Eternal you play that and then you're hoping it to benefit on future draws where in this game there was the potential of you know hey I played Commander it's my low tempo play thanks mighty ally you gave me two mystic dragons now I win the game right like that's true. You know, and does that happen? Does it happen every game? No, it's probably like once in every two hundred games. But it doesn't matter if it happens one time; it's going to be a Reddit thread, and that's the problem. That's fair. That's fair. I wish. Yeah. No. I. I. I, I can totally get on board with that. The only time I played Praetorian Commander was an Alter Alter Monk, where I had a lot of fun with it. Um. But yeah, I, I'm now reflecting back on. Uh, Prophecy and a prophecy and a prophecy. Actually, it's it, oh, I'm getting I'm getting a little tight around the collar here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ray Ray Barker makes an interesting point, saying he thought the issue was that once it was played, it couldn't be undone. Um. Yeah, that's fair. Although, I mean, like, you can silence the stats away, I believe, right? Once it's on the board. Yeah, once like, it's on the, the, the board. Creature. But which is which is different than um. Than an eternal where silence effects don't affect the base stats. Right. But also there's just not enough silence effects to do that over and over that's, and over. That's true. I think there's always gonna be something like sort of you know, on that note, I know that in the past, like I've thought that um Okay, there was a time when uh, Belligerent Giant was uh, played a lot more than it is now. Belligerent Giant, by the way, one of the one of my favorite balance changes of all time. Um but uh, belligerent giant um, destroying support cards. I, you know, as a guy who was playing a lot of Ultra Despair back then, I was like, "Oh man, this card's such a barrier to fun." And I remember before that, I had the same feeling about Shadowfen Priest um, doing the same kind of thing, plus the silence effect. And uh, there's always going to be something like that. And right now, I think we're at a time where there's less silence being played than than there has been in a while. Um, I think that's mostly because of Earthbone's popularity dropping off. Um, yeah. I still think that Earthbone is one of the better cards in the game, just period, I because agree. of what it does and the stats it gives you, and like at the right time. 
but like Earthbones dropped off, but Earthbone, in my opinion, dropped off a bit because the cards that were primary targets for Earthbone also fell off, right? Like Crystal Tower Crafter has like all but disappeared. Right. Um, Brett and Conjurer. You know, Brett and Conjurer's disappeared because Merrick disappeared. You know, nobody's playing. Um, you know, Daring Cut Purse has all but disappeared just because yeah. now it's uh, the werewolf, right? A four, right. four, three, like guaranteed stats that can't go away is just generally better. And yeah, um, I agree. You know, if you're trying to use your Earthbone to go through Hive Defender, most people are just opting for like Shield Breaker or other things. So like Earthbone's kind right. of fallen off, um, which just means Silence like as a whole has fallen off. And then Soul Terror giving utility means that even Shadow Priests aren't necessarily, you know, a guaranteed three of. A lot of them are going down to two. Yeah, that's what I've noticed too. This I opened up this week the channel to. Um, I took a week off. I started grad school last week, and I got a promotion at work, and so I've been just like super busy. So I took a week off from the channel, and then I when I, uh, to come back, I invited people to uh, send me decks to play, and I'd record with them. And uh, the first two lists that I got were scout decks, and both of them were only running two Shadowfen priests, which I noted as I was playing them. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I I can't stop thinking about the monocolor uh, gauntlet. I I want that so badly. Just like off the top of your head, what deck wins that number one spot in that gauntlet? Well, so besides monocolor, there are some other ones that could pop up. So um, there is somebody in the community who is very much trying to make uh, a, another game mode po uh, you know uh, popular I guess popular might be the too strong a word but he wants to get people playing a new game mode and I think it's a cool game mode to potentially try um, it's essentially like the Elder Dragon Highlander but for this right 70 yeah. cards a maximum of one card each I think that can yeah. make for a fun gauntlet even if it was just 50 cards instead of the full 70 but just a yeah. you know everything's unique uh, style mm -hmm. gauntlet mode. I think that could be fun. I, I actually think that uh, running 50 cards instead of 70 would increase diversity, right? Like at 70 cards, you're almost running every card in that color. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, in, in that class, sure, right? Like when you're forced right. to run 70, there is not a lot of like, well, I'm going to cut this to make room for this because you're already right. being forced to play several suboptimal right. cards, you know? So I can understand exactly. that. Yeah, I like the, I like the 50 idea a lot. I think that'd be fun. I think that you and I should record a, a challenge series featuring that format. I think we should. Yeah. We should also we'll potentially do some mono-colored stuff at some point just to show that mono-red isn't the only mono-color. I agree. I agree. And I, I can't... I'm, I'm shocked that chat is not into mono-purple. Like, I took mono-purple into the real gauntlet. And went eight wins. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's mono purple. Right? Yeah, like nobody's saying mono purple. Like, uh, mono purple's great. No. <laughs> I hit, I've hit legend with mono purple. Mono purple is, look, purple's like one of my favorite colors just in life. And oh, yeah. even, even I, like, feel icky at the thought of playing mono purple. I think that's just your stick at this point. <laughs> no, man, it's good. It's really good. Like, I, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm like, standing by it. Like, mono red, you at least get, like, some orc synergies and some aggressive stuff, right? Like, mono green, you can run goblins all day long and then, like, some, some lane movement stuff. Mono yeah. willpower, you can, like, run some token shenanigans. Mono blue is, like, all the direct damage and, like, cunning ally fun and baron of tear or tear. I never know which one it is because they're both spelled yeah. the same way. Um, That's but, like, tough... mono purple is, like, play big things and then play more big things. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, you, <laughs> that's what I want to do in this game is play big things. <laughs> that's why I played Ramp for six months before <laughs> the channel got really boring. <laughs> yeah, Americon's got a good point. Mono Blue gets Moment of Clarity and Unseen, stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. You can cheese it like we do the Creatureless Challenge. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's this little-known gem called Royal Sage that's in Mono Blue, and I hear that that is entirely balanced yeah. and competitive, right? Um, Absolutely. I don't know if you know this. That card reads, uh, if the player is Justin Larson, give your 1-1's breakthrough. And uh, <laughs> if it's played against Justin Larson, give your board ward, lethal, or drain, or guard, whichever is more convenient. See, that's funny, because for me, it's it's almost always in the inevitable, if my opponent is at four, give Royal Sage charge. Yeah. I've gotten so many, like, undeserving lethals from high rolling the one and seven right. on that. Well, I mean, I think I need to renegotiate my pact with Satan. Obviously, you have better terms than I did. <laughs> I just got my, my charming good looks. and uh, Well... You, you, you win a lot of games. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, I yeah, I get Royal Sage lethals, but like, you know, my parents are dying, so I don't know. Man, I I don't know what the appropriate response is. To that, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, sorry, I have a very gallows sense of humor, so like, I've already been making those kinds of jokes. Like I was saying uh, to somebody yeah. else recently, I was like, man, I'm I'm already one parent down. Like, if I lose the other one, am I officially an orphan? Like, can you be an orphan in your 30s? Because I want to be That's good. like. Can I be, That's a good question. Can I become Batman, even though I'm not rich and in my 30s? Uh, I, th I would argue you actually are ripped and you are in your 30s. But, like, uh, that's a good question. I've been wondering about adopting someone who's 17 years old and uh, 364 days so that, like, I can be like, yeah, this is my son. Uh, but never actually have to do any parenting at all. Like, except for that one day, I'll throw him an 18-year birthday party and kick him out of the house. Right. And mean, then I can be proud of him when he goes to college and stuff like that. I got a feeling that if he's been in the system till 17 and 364, and then you adopt yeah. him and kick him out, that he's probably not going to college. I'm just throwing that well, out then he'll, end up, he'll end up one of my clients at work, actually, which right, like will create this weird conflict you'll, of interest. You'll be parenting him professionally. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But you know what? Sometimes you need to show that tough love. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll see how that first couple minutes go. He has, you know, 24 hours to impress me as a son. Yeah. No, no pressure, but you're probably not going to make it. Yeah. I'll hand him a rose at the end of the evening and tell him that, you know, congratulations, but it's just not going to work out. <laughs> Are you going to also hand him some fake weed? and <laughs> Some fake weed? What, what are we talking call about? Call him mini Congo? Oh, Jesus, I mean, no, you're, dude. You're giving him a rose. That's true. That's true. Well, I was thinking of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. That's how that works, right? Oh. It'd be The Sun. It'd be a reality TV show. I'd segue my success on the TV show, actually, into the presidency of the United States. Oh. 
<laughs> Moving on. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the Highlander format actually is really cool. You know, they're obviously this is one of the like small downsides of the digital format, right? Like you can't have like a commander like in Magic. Like it's not like you can be like, uh, "Hey man, I could play Yar Balgraf anytime I want to," <laughs> which would be pretty sweet, obviously. But um, I mean. But that's actually one of the benefits of the digital format, though, is that um, they could do something like that, right? Like, right, of course. They just it has to be like coded in as a format. But you know, that's that's actually a pretty interesting thought there as well. Um, you know, if they were to ever introduce a new game mode, they could do something like that. Or do you remember Magic: The Gathering a long time ago used to have a format? Um, like, for their supported arena, where, like, you would take a card, right? But it was, like, a big card. And, yeah. And it would, like, alter your starting health and hand, but give you a continuous effect. Like, one of them was, like, your starting hand was minus two, and you started at, like, 12 health, but you all your lands tapped for two. And just, like... I remember that. Just, yeah. Just um, weird stuff. And I'm, Vanguard. That's what it was. Uh, Vanguard. Yeah, that's Vanguard. right. That's right. So... I do remember that. So they could do, like, a Vanguard-style thing or, like, a Commander-style mm -hmm. thing, and then when you go in, like, it, it, you choose your avatar, right? Like... Yeah. And then whatever your avatar is would represent the, th the thing you chose, so there'd be, like, a visual like element. Um, but then, like, in that format, it would just implement the rules. Like, that could be a cool gauntlet mode, but that would be a cool, like, oh, permanent yeah. mode as well. That just gave me a great idea for a gauntlet mode that I... <laughs> oh, man, I can't even say this without feeling like a complete idiot. But gauntlet mode race wars, right? All right, like, now, yeah, no, you need to... <laughs> your avatar gives all creatures of that race plus one, plus one, plus one for that... Or plus one, plus one for that gauntlet, right? We could finally get the Argonian army we all deserve. I'm just going to throw this out there right now, but... Yeah. Um... If that's ever a thing, I'm only playing Jarl decks so that I can build a wall to keep your race out. Jesus, man, that got dark really fast. <laughs> you're, you're the one who said race wars. I don't know what you were thinking. I mean, I was talking about fictional lizards and stuff, man. <laughs> God, you, you slow pitched that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny, though. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be sad. I feel like right now, like, there's so many Argonians I want to play, but without that Argonian lord, I'm just constantly suffering from reptile dysfunction. <laughs> you know, I'm the one with children. You're not allowed to make dad jokes. <laughs> I, I, I have a perfectly great young cat daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, your kid's a pussy. Oh man, yes she is actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maricon says J Star G and I did a race war thing. I played Bretons, he played orcs. We could only use those races and actions. Oh. That's <laughs> in Ian Bits writes, I assume you lost and promptly nerfed Atromancer. Oh my god. <laughs> is this the true story finally coming out? Oh man, that's <laughs> that's kinda of funny. That would that be is that great. would be kinda of funny if like Secretly, Atromancer was fine for a year, but it only got nerfed because somebody lost like a drunken bet at the bar. Like Maricon lost playing darts one night at a local tavern, and that's why we finally nerfed Atromancer. That's awesome. Oh, that could be funny. I, I mean, in all seriousness, though, I do think it would be a cool, uh, a cool gauntlet mode to limit your <clears throat> deck to a single, uh, single one of the iconic races. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that, something like that could also be pretty cool. I'd really, you know, now that we've said yeah. something, though, I really like the idea of, like, a Vanguard or Commander format where, like, you choose an avatar for the game mode and it alters yeah. stuff, right? Like, it, imagine I how agree. wonky it could be, right? Like, because Vanguard in Magic, like, some of them were really powerful effects, but you also started at, like, significantly right. less health or hand sizes, right? Like, as detriments. Yeah. So I could immediately see something where it was like, you know, you start at, um, you know, 20 health instead of 30, but you get runes, um, you know, like every yeah. two health or something stupid, right? Um, yeah. Or you start with no yeah. cards in hand, but, you know, you get runes every, you know, four health instead of five or... I like um, that. Yeah, you could do all sorts of cool stuff with that, I imagine. You start with five cards in hand, but you get some other drawback. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. I, I used to love Vanguard, now that I've remembered it. Wow. Blast from the past. I never got to play it, but I mean, I've seen the cards, and uh, it seems like it would probably be pretty fun. And yeah, I mean, like, the part of the fun about these, like, strange gauntlet modes, right, is like, I don't think anybody's under the illusion that, like, the all commons format is going to be, like, a balanced metagame, right? Like, I'm sure it's one that could be solved fairly quickly with uh, some very clearly tier one decks, if not a single tier one deck. But, like, that's the beauty of, like, these gauntlet modes, right? Like, you only have to run it for, like, three days, and it's not a whole lot of time to solve the meta, and it's an opportunity where you're not, like, responsible for playing something, for having a balanced meta, right? So, you could just say, here, here's what you got. You have 96, 92 hours or whatever to figure it out, 126 hours. Uh, go nuts. And you can have an experience that's not about, like, it being balanced or whatever, and it's not the same experience you're having on the ladder. I think it's awesome i'm super excited about popper you know somebody in chat was mentioning an animal deck and i gotta be honest um that's that's the race i want to take like you can yeah. have your argonians i want animals i want tigers I, and I lions and bears oh my i like that you know actually one of the decks that was submitted to me to play uh to play this week um for the stuff i'm releasing next week was a scout animal deck that uh, with the spriggan lord or whatever and i actually like i've i beat a couple good decks with that and uh had a lot of fun playing it like when that when that spriggan lord hits the board like if you get one buff it feels pretty good you get like two or three like that is backbreaking that's i mean that's better than uh praetorian commander yeah i you know another interesting gauntlet mode again because these are always temporary right and it's something that people often talk about um specifically ones who don't like understand the idea of the checks and balances of design but just to showcase exactly why it's not a permanent mainstay of like the game i wouldn't mind a gauntlet where they were like use three attributes build a deck you know what i mean yeah just so that people can be like oh yeah this is why we don't do this oh i remember you know yeah yeah but it was it'd just yeah. be a nice temporary like one weekend thing or that'd be fun that'd be fun <clears throat> um you know you mentioned actually some you tweeted something or maybe posted something on reddit recently about like what one card would you move to another deck to break it or whatever and you mentioned unstoppable rage and scout and i haven't been able to stop thinking about that like i've really taken up unstoppable rage in the last like month and a half or so as a card that i talked a lot of shit about and then like i never but i never played i just kept losing to it and uh sure. <laughs> i finally started i finally started playing it like really i have to admit like i had a great time playing it um and i was thinking i have not been able to stop thinking about unstoppable rage and scout and how incredible that would be <laughs> yeah no i mean it's 
when they posted that, I was like, I feel like the answer is is obvious. Like the one, the one in my opinion, like balance, if you will, is that like yeah, you can play Unstoppable Rage and like Ramp Warrior, but um, I don't think that Ramp Warrior has the tools to like ramp as efficiently and insanely as Scout does. No. Um, but once but I mean, once you go Scout, like now I've got so many things I can play immediately from hand and abuse it. And even like going a step further, it doesn't even have to be like your big bads because at you know at 13 mana for example um if i absolutely have to like i can soul tear a giant bat out for you know a 7 7 bat if my soul tear is ramped up and still right still rage like it gets gets silly when you start thinking about that card in scout no, i agree uh, that was an interesting one it's an interesting thought experiment too i feel like i get better at playing the actual game by considering what's not available and like appreciating why it's not available and then pursuing the closest approximation of that broken strategy that I can with what I actually have available. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's probably a good thought experiment. So we had the uh, monthly card revealed i think this is the first time yeah. that we have uh had a podcast since that was revealed what was your impression yeah. of it like obviously i released a video yeah. so um, i think it's really good um yeah that's my my just gut reaction is that i think it's pretty strong um i think that <clears throat> sort of like what i did with mid-range crusader before heroes of skyrim um where i just exploited rune breaking cards and uh basically want tried to win the game with golden saint i think you could put this in a mid-range spell sword deck that doesn't really exist right now and have quite a bit of success and i think for example i think that a mid-range spell sword deck packed full of guard creatures would have a pretty back-breaking game against tokens of all varieties i think that uh you could even maybe finally put uh the captain of the watch card or whatever it is the guy that gives your guard creatures uh, a buff when you play it in, in that deck i think it's really strong i think that hive defender might still be stronger because the sift six toughness is just like so clutch with its ability to trade two or sometimes even three for one but the life gain's not incidental and i think that it's a really good card what about you yeah um you know it's funny you mentioned the mid-range because when i did my youtube video i basically said like if it's going to shine i think that's the place it does shine yeah. Um, the real question is, is whether or not there's enough, like, other tools to support it. I do think that if you play, like, guard that deck, and then some yeah. of the other, like, incidental life game, uh, you can mm. essentially play, like, a mid-range control deck, where you're just relying on value trades and health gain to survive the early game, and then yeah. you'll have enough, like, meat, hopefully, to race down some of the later game decks, but, yeah. um, and I don't, without playtesting it, I don't know if there's enough there, but, uh, for me, you know, in my video, I said that it, it has the potential to be yeah. the best card to never make an impact. Like, huh. on the face of it, it's great. Like, the stats are great. You know, it's a 4-5 for 4. Uh, it's got a keyword. Yeah. It's got a triggered ability. Um, huh. You know, it's a 4-cost card that can, like, trade with cliff racers and survive, right? So, like, yeah. if you play it... So, like, even with Hive Defender... Um, you know, if, if I already have something in the lane and somebody plops down a Hive Defender in front of it, the next turn I can Cliff Racer in and then trade my small thing, but uh, I'm at least leaving the, the Cliff Racer's presence on the board. 
And against Spellsword, yeah. a 4-1 Cliff Racer is as good as a 4-4 because they don't really have, you know, pangs right. unless they happen to run Crushing Blow or whatever. Um, right. But, like, the 4-5 guy, you know, he's going to basically force the 2-for-1 in that scenario, right? So, like, stat-wise, he's magnificent. But I think that the biggest problem is is that outside of the mid-range strategy, um, like, when you consider him in control, he doesn't mm -hmm. do anything to solve the problems that Spellsword Control already has. Spellsword Control right. already has access to a lot of great guards. It already yeah. has access to conditional health gain, which is what his is, like, let's be honest. Um, yeah. But it, it doesn't have good access to AoE, and it doesn't have good access to, like, consistent drawing, and that card solves none of those. So, like, on the face of it, the card is great. I love the stats. I love everything about it. But, like, I yeah. don't think he does anything new for Spellsword Control. Um so right. like unless you're running him in mid or mid range as like just another big body you know for like guard dot deck, um, right. you know the, I think that's his potential place to shine. And I don't know you know without putting some games in whether or not it'll be good enough or not. So he he has the chance to be the best card to never make an impact. I can totally see what you're saying. I, I think I agree with you. Yeah. Um, you know that mid range deck. That's the sort of deck I like to play the most. You know. Um, so I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I, you know, uh, can you, I mean, going back to the discussion we were having about cards that would break other color, other classes, ice storm in, in spell sword that right there, <laughs> I feel like that breaks it. Um, did I, I hate. I hate to do this if you guys can see this on my screen i apologize but like now i'm entirely um puzzled is there something i need to know about maricon uh, <laughs> on my screen like i got a little notification that popped up and it said elder scrolls legends has posted a new uh, posted a new announcement and then it said something about daily login rewards and to the be best of my knowledge uh there were no daily login rewards there were just your simple quests so i don't know if that means that there's something coming did we literally just like while live get some sort of news thing or is my notifications lying to me where is that notification from? Uh, i got it like on on my thing from steam so oh i'm not running steam right now because i feel like if i run any more things oh, somebody, using the somebody, internet somebody's I'll... saying uh grandstaff just posted about it on reddit let me see if i can pull it up all right well hey I'll read it in uh, radio announcer voice, all right? Yeah, no, I'll dig it. All right, let's find it here. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, starting October 1st, the Elder Scrolls Legends will have a new system of daily login rewards. Provided as a supplement to your daily quests, these are your rewards for checking in on a regular basis. You'll see a complete schedule showing all the rewards available during the current month. Every day you log in, you'll get a reward in advance to the next, more valuable reward. The monthly schedule records how many times you've logged in since the first day of the month. You don't have to start the first day, and you don't have to log in consecutively to receive rewards. For example, if you log in the first six days and then skip a week, you'll get the seventh reward on your next login. This is only the beginning of this new reward system. We will be turning, tuning the schedule each month, and we have plans for even more exciting rewards in the future. So, one, that's awesome. We basically got breaking news while live. Uh, <laughs> but, but two, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, this is actually something that is like pretty common in mobile games. Um, you know, I posted a video about it on my YouTube, but I play that Final Fantasy Brave Exvius game, and then I've also been playing 
uh, like the pre-launch global version of a game called Alchemist Stone, but both of those have the like the same thing. So like in the Final Fantasy game, for example, um, there are like 28 days worth of rewards, right? And so as you sign in every day, you get like something off the checklist. And like if you miss a day and then you come back, then you just still get whatever the next item is. And so by doing 28 days, it gives you a couple of days here or there that you can miss throughout the month and still get it. Um, yeah. Shardbound does the same thing, actually, now that I think about it. Shardbound's another mm-hmm. game that I'm a big like fan of. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like this is going to be really similar, and I think that that's really, really cool. And I'm also glad that it's not taking uh, the place of the quests. Yeah, I like that. Free stuff's great. Um, you know, part of the reason I, I like I love Eternal and I play it a lot, but part of the reason I play every day is because they give you a free pack of cards for the first win you play every day. This is definitely the sort of thing that drives people to play games, you know what I mean? I like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping, so like deep down, I've said this over and over and over again, right? But I want more alternate art, I want custom avatars, like I want cosmetic things to spend my money on, you know, game boards, etc. And so I'm hoping mm-hmm. That because they're doing Twitch drops and because they're doing now daily rewards and all of these things, that you know, one we like we know they have to monetize this thing somehow, right? So like deep right. down, I, I'm hoping that they're giving us all these free things so that people can get enough to play the base game, and that they're eventually going to announce or unveil like, here's all the, uh, you know, the the reasons to give us money because uh, as you know, like I'm a sucker for the cosmetic stuff, and I'll I'll drop all my money on it. Uh, you know, I will I will admit to the fact that um, I am both like a, a horror for cosmetics and a collector. So I would legitimately spend five bucks on an avatar that I would never plan on equipping just to say that I had them all. Like that's exactly the kind of personality I am. Fair enough. I'm the guy who uh, I bought the Founders Pack in Eternal, which gives you all these like premium avatars, but I still use the Dinky Robot because I think it's funny. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if I don't plan on equipping it, like I just like saying like, "Hey, I got that." You know, like I'm a collector at heart. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think maybe if I had the experience of like, I mean, I don't know. When I was a little kid, I used to collect fossils, like. I mean, I dig through rocks in Kansas and like find little like shells, and I was really into that. But I never really like was able to own anything growing up because like I had such a huge drug problem. Like I'd get a few things and I'd sell them. So like as an adult, like I never developed like the collect for a hobby type thing, you know? Yeah, I was super big into like comics uh, as an adolescent, a teen, and like even into my early twenties. Um, and I worked <clears throat> for a comic and gaming shop, and I'd go to shows and all sorts of stuff so like I was very much like I collected a lot of different things and I I don't know it just kind of got ingrained in me so I'm certainly that personality type and I know it about myself so like I have to very like meter how many things I get into as a hobby because I'll want to collect everything Um, yeah but yeah like I I hope that we get some of that I think again that the uh, the daily reward system will be uh, a good addition um, I like I it. I like it, but I also hope that that means that we're going to get some of that, some of that other fun stuff. Soon. Yeah. Well, we're just that we just need to complete the hat trick now and get to introduce YouTube drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get on that. <laughs> um, so in chat, Americon's answering a lot of cool questions, which is kind of cool. 
Uh, he, he wrote, uh, just recently wrote, Wrath of Sithis is an, an example of a card that's not particularly high on net fun because the person playing it doesn't get to see what they did. Uh, we still wanted to print it, though, because it served a purpose. And I think this is part of a larger discussion he's been having with people in chat about um, making sure that the fun factor is high, right? Versus balancing out OTK combos, I think, is how this conversation started. Sure. No, I mean, Rath I get that from Rathosithis for sure, because it's like uh, yeah. it's like network security, right? You can do all this work and be super proud of it, but it's hard to know like how successful it is at keeping yeah. things out, you know, and you only really hear about when stuff goes wrong and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Uh... I've definitely been in situations. It seems like the only time I ever see Wrath of Sithis um, on the ladder is when I decide to play Market Archer, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and then suddenly every opponent has it. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad stuff like that exists. And you know, it's, it touches on something we talked about, like I think last week, where we were touching on like the difference between uh, soft counters that you, uh, you know, like like a Garnag perhaps, and a. Uh, and a card that says, like, destroy target Argonian, right? Yeah. Like, Wrath of Sithis is a card that has utility in every matchup just because it interferes with your opponent's plan, which is always, like, a worthwhile endeavor. But, like, if the meta becomes overwhelmingly Market Archer or Market Assassin or whatever, becomes that much more worthy of inclusion. But still not backbreaking either. So... One of the other uh, interesting things um, that I would like to say appeals to me, I, I keep thinking back to like stuff that I would pay money for, right? Um, sometimes Magic has done this, I know that like Gwent has done this, and uh, I know that there are other games as well, but like I want alternate art sets where I get a different piece of art for each one. Right? Like, yeah. Like, if I run three javelins, I want to be able to... Like, I want an alternate oh. art set where the, the, yeah. the like the sum composite of the three tell a story. Okay. Right? So, like... I like that. Like, in Gwent, for example, they'll have, like... I don't know, like, some no-name, like, Temerian soldier or whatever, right? Mm. But you'll, you'll have, like, three different versions. So, if you put one of each in your deck, um, when they're all on the board, like, side by side, then, like, the three pieces of art, like, come together to form one bigger art piece. Um, yeah, I like that. So I think that would be kind of cool if we, like, if, if Daggerfall Mage, for example, had three different arts, but, like, if you had all three, like, in a lane, it would, like, complete, uh, complete right. the story. You know, it's funny, what they should do is, uh, the Daggerfall Mage, uh, the first one, is sort of just a regular dagger, regular daggerfall mage, kind of looking to the side, right, to the towards the center, if you will. And then the second one, the daggerfall mage looks a little angrier, and it's giving you the finger. And in the third one, the one that you play on turn four after you hit it on turn two and turn three, uh, you, it's a daggerfall mage actually pouring gasoline on the poor guy who's running two drops without ward, and uh, your opponent just concedes actually when you hit all three. I want, I want a uh, a daggerfall mage that is um like his hands tied behind his back and he's kneeling over because he knows he's going to be executed and then nice. to the left of him i want a daggerfall mage that's tied up with his hands behind his back but he's sitting on like a silver platter because he knows he's about to be grizzly gourmet and then i, like I want it. a third one 
that's just staring at you like shoulders up shrugging saying you know wtf because he knows he's about to get hit with the dramora that nobody plays uh, <laughs> i like except that for I the like one that. guy who has it for your third daggerfall mage i like it that's perfect yeah because i feel like like i don't know what it is but Every time I play them lately, they just die. It's been a long time since I've got real value out of them. Still great cards, but the hate yeah. is real. No, I agree. And that's not salt, guys. That's sarcasm. My salt is much more obvious. <laughs> I don't hide it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I like the idea of three different alternate arts. Obviously, there's some more expense involved in creating something like that, but... Sure. Uh, you know, as as a guy who spent the five bucks or ten bucks or whatever for the hive defender in a jacket with a wine glass, you know, <laughs> I'm down for whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what's up. So we're we're about at that time where we typically start the Q and A, like officially. I know we've been trying to interact with chat, but I think that this would be a good time to kick that off, so so that we can make up for last week being short. Yeah, sorry again about last week, guys. Everything's working out, though, tonight, right? Uh, yeah, so far, everything's been solid on my end. Sweet. Yeah, so if you guys want to do some interaction, <laughs> shout your questions out. This is now an Ian Bit stream, apparently. It says nickname. You know, while we're waiting on questions, bro, you have to get Divinity Original Sin 2. <laughs> yeah, but like I haven't even played the first one, and I'm, it's it's not necessary. It's I, not necessary. I know, but like I've got so many other single player games that I haven't finished yet, and I'm not gonna yeah. have a ton of time because uh, there's a lot of card games I enjoy playing. So like I've said it before, but um, yeah, I love Shardbound. I've been playing that off stream. I've been trying Hand of the Gods off stream just to kind of see what's up because um, yeah, you know I I love card games and I'll try just about any of them. Um, but, like, even besides that, so coming up here, we're hitting October here soon, and my wife is likely going to be guest streaming a bit. Um, cool. Just because I love making her play horror games um, and then laughing at her uh, sheer, utter uh, terror. Horror? Yeah, like, she just, <laughs> she doesn't know how to separate herself from, like, games or even just, like, books or movies, right? Like, she gets into whatever she's doing. So she'll legitimately, yeah. like, be playing a horror game. And, like, the idea of, like, oh, I could die ten times running down this hall till I figure out whatever I need to figure out never crosses her mind. She will, like, just sit there, hunched down, like, I'm not moving, I don't want to die. <laughs> nice. So. That's funny. So she's one of those people who would actually survive a horror movie, unlike me, who would, like. Oh, no, she would die because she gets paralyzed. Oh, but... uh, fair enough. So uh, our first question is, what's the best premium art in the game for each of you guys, and why is it a Spyful Dramora? Uh, my favorite premium art in the game is uh, High Rothgar. I like the snow on it. That's solid. Uh, mine is Odaving. Uh, the flame effects is real. I think it really highlights uh, like his uh, menacing posture in that. And I think that I stand by my assertion that he's the most iconic card in the game. So I think that goes a long way as well. Cool. Uh, Maricon asks, I missed the beginning. If I ask what kind of popper decks you're going to play, has this already been covered? Uh, I think we touched on it. I'm looking at playing uh, Warrior Midrange, Prophecy Battle Mage, and uh, I want to make uh, 
our mid-range sorcerer are the ones that I'm most interested in at the moment. Yeah, I'm probably going to play uh, like mid-sorcerer, mid-mage, and prophecy archer. Ruby. <clears throat> Fire Drake writes that you, your thume is no match for mine. Right. I mean, I that's one of the many reasons I stand by that Odaving is the most iconic card in the game. Fair enough. Oh, Maricon writes, what T Elder Scrolls character are you most looking forward to getting into Elder Scrolls Legends so you can cosplay as them? Uh, if you make a Mike the Liar card and let me preview it, I will give you a cinematic experience beyond your wild wildest expectations. <laughs> it's so funny because he's probably my favorite Elder Scrolls character, and I had said a long time ago that, like... I would be willing to cosplay for Mike. Oh so, shit! Well, I don't want—I don't want to step on your couch. No, 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 no. Maybe that's the—maybe that's just the beauty. Maybe that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I would have to find a way to get to Denver. We would there both go. be Mike because he is a liar, and as far as we know, there have been multiples, right? Because he spans yeah. many time frames, and uh, we'll have Mike talk to Mike. That would be great. This one is confused as to who he really is. <laughs> uh, Zombie Hunter asks where I got the physical Tessel cards. Well, uh, they were given out at various conventions. However, I begged and pleaded to have a set sent to me because I want to frame them and hang them on my wall. Um, so yeah. I got mine through begging, but they were given out at like QuakeCon, uh, I believe E3, and some other places. Um... Ian Bits writes, I don't have a question, but can you read this in radio announcer voice? <laughs> Hold on a second. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. But... Okay. Remember to check out Charmer on YouTube. I hear rumors that he has a dad. <laughs> I do have a dad. Oh, man, that still makes me laugh. Like, it makes me laugh because, like, he didn't even realize what he had done. Oh, Robo Justin is back, huh? Crap. I don't hear Robo Justin. I think they might be trolling you. Hey, Maricon asks Charmer, if you could have a 3D statue of one Elder Scrolls Legends card or character in your house, what would it be and why? Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. A 3D statue of one card or character. That's interesting. Like... Again, my instinct says my instinct says Odaving because I stand by that being the most iconic, and I also like the idea of him being like this massive thing. Like even if they put like the house from the card in front of it, um, like that could be cool. Uh, Wildfire Dragon, like if they had a three D statue with the flame effect hitting the like the poor soldiers, like it's on the card. I think that could be pretty cool. Um, if I was picking something not dragon related, but like an actual character. Um, man, uh, I think I think Supreme Atromancer could. I mean, that's like me cheating, right? But secretly, I would want like an Atromancer with two flame elementals on like a statue. Uh, so that could be cool. Um, <clears throat> I think Astrid has the potential for a really cool statue because of the different ways that you could play uh, her, like in a scene. Um, I like it. Tascad again has a potential to be a pretty cool statue because you could do like a big version of him with like, you know, the four four beast or whatever he leaves behind, like also on it. Um, yeah, I, I'll try to think of statues that like set a scene, right? So like I have this 
massive juggernaut statue that's over there. And I like I like that yeah. they add the rubble. Um, I've got the old like Elder Scrolls Online, you know, Molog Ball thing, and so like it's like the little things, right? But I like I love that he's gripping a person. That's cool. So stuff like that. That's a good question. All of them? I guess the answer is all of them. If they made statues, I just want all of them. That's what's up. Um, we missed a question actually. What are the best and worst keywords in your opinion? Oh, um, I think the best keyword in the game is charge. I've said that for a long time, and I stand by it because I, think, I totally agree. I think it provides the most uh, utility. It's the only keyword that guarantees immediate impact on the board. Um, it allows yeah. you to trade. It allows you to go face. Um, it's like unplanned for in many ways. Uh, I think that the worst keyword. I got to go with breakthrough, man. You know, I think standalone by itself, Breakthrough is probably the worst. Uh, the fact that it yeah. compares so well with, like, Unstoppable Rage is a thing, but historically, yeah. Breakthrough's almost been, uh, in many ways, as much of a, a hindrance as a benefit yeah. because of the presence of runes. So I think that's probably yeah. fair. Um, what mechanic or keywords would you like to see in an upcoming set? Oh, real quick, I have another answer for another character I want to see in the game that I would cosplay as. Serena. The vampire lady from Skyrim. <laughs> I'll make that. I'll make that happen. Uh, but uh, what mechanic or keywords would you like to see in upcoming sets? What about you, Charmer? Um, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, in terms of like a mechanic, I really like the ambush mechanic I had talked about in one of my Forge videos. Um, the idea of uh, it being a trigger on a creature every time that creature leaves uh, cover. Um, I think that could be really cool. And I would like to see something that, if not, you know, flanking something similar to flanking, um, that was maybe... Uh, I, basically, I, I'll word it like this. I'd like to see something that takes better advantage of the fact that we have two lanes, right? So maybe the keyword is flanking, maybe it's like bond... Right, but I like the idea of like creatures that receive a benefit if there's a copy of the creature in the other lane, specifically like a copy of the creature though, right? Like I don't want it to be just any creature. Um, I think it would be cool if it was like bonded or something, where like if I have a copy of it in both lanes, then it does something. Um, yeah, I like it. <clears throat> I think I mentioned last week like I want to be able to, I want cards to have a keyword that lets me play them from the top of my deck. You know, chat brings up a pretty good question. Regenerate's probably a lot worse than Breakthrough. <laughs> you know, I, I was looking at that too, and uh, I wrote that there's never been a time when I thought I wish my creature didn't have Regenerate, but I've had that thought about Breakthrough. Um, I can count, like, on one hand probably the number of times, like, re uh, Regenerate's been relevant. You know, um, but I, I don't... Uh, I don't know, it's never held me back either. Whereas I, I have definitely... Uh, made plays that would have been better if the creature I had did not have yeah, breakthrough. I'll, I'll change my answer and agree with chat, and I'm going to say this strictly because um, of Munda Stone. There has been plenty of times where my creature has rolled breakthrough and I've been happy, and I have never been happy when my creature has rolled regenerate. Right. That's fair. That's fair. I don't... Oh man, the cat is back. Nice. <laughs> I don't want it to get lost because yeah. it was kind of... Uh... 
far up there, right? But uh, uh, somebody asks, uh, what are your thoughts on Bethesda saying that tournaments are not on their top list as a priority? And what do you think that's going to do for the game in the long run? <laughs> Sandra fell asleep. She just woke up to take care of the cat. I'm sorry. What do I feel about... Jesus. Because <laughs> she has wares. Um, what do I think about uh, the tournament thing? <laughs> Uh, I want to watch these tournaments, you know, I really want to. If it's not a priority, you know, that's, that's of course, their business decision. Um, uh, and I have to say that I disagree that it sh shouldn't be a priority. I think it should be a bigger priority. But, I mean, I just, I, I want them to be a viewer, right? Like, I'm under no illusion that I would be playing in these tournaments. Uh, I want them because I want to have the experience of sitting in chat with other people and uh, talking about what's going on in the game. And I can kind of have that experience now by watching the Elder Scrolls Legends Championship Series, right? So, like, the what I'm looking for in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the competitive scene sort of already exists, but I think that it would be good for the community to have access to more of that. And, of course, the official sanction, right, the official title, I think, would give it a lot more weight. So I want it to happen. Um, I mean, for me... I'm one of those people that like craves competition so like my own personal stance is obviously i'd love to see tournaments and i'd love to see a wide array of tournaments small ones big ones stuff in the client stuff um you know with big money attached stuff with different formats like you name it um mm -hmm. i even though i also am like i have no illusion of like i'm gonna go pro or i'm gonna win big money because the truth is like my schedule just would never allow for that um Right. I, yeah, we'll say that's we'll say that's my reason too. Yeah, like I, I just enjoy like competition because to me, I'm one of those people that like when it comes to games and sports and anything like that in life, the only way you get better is by challenging yourself and by like playing against people that are better than you. It's just like yeah. when you want to learn something, right? Like when I want to learn something, I go to the people that are smarter than me and I have yeah. them teach it to me, right? If I want to That's learn about point. game design, I'm going to hit up Paul because he's got years of experience. I'm not just going to, you know, casually hit up whatever. Um, right. So, like, for me, I think that, you know, again, personally, I'd like to see him. That being said, as, as far as, like, what I think it's going to do to the long term of the game, I honestly don't think it's going to matter. Um, like... The, the Elder Scrolls Legends is going to have, like, three kinds of people that are playing it, right? People who want a, a tournament scene, and they'll stick around for a bit, and if it's not there, then they might go away. But then if it ends up coming back, I strongly believe that at least 60-70% of those people would come back. Um, yeah. You know, for as much negativity as they might have about the lack of a tournament scene now, um, you know, they're they're not going to not come back if they love the game and it's finally whatever. They'll come back and at least try it, you know. Will we hold them long-term? Maybe not, but I have I have a strong suspicion those people would come back. Um, and then, I mean, the majority of your player base, in all honesty, are, like, you know, people who just love card games in general or yeah. people who love Elder Scrolls. And, like, yeah. the people who've played Skyrim for, like, 600 hours, honestly, they probably don't care <laughs> if right. there's a big money tournament. Um, right. Like, it's just... Uh, you know, I, you know, I get it. Like people, people want tournaments, but like it, that's, I don't know. I, it's, it's frustrating cause it's something that I would like, but I completely understand 
you know and, and again it's it's one of those things like they probably have uh significantly more metrics and stuff that we don't have right they have probably have a better sh you know shot at data i bet if if they looked at their player base right and they said like these are the people who log in daily these are the people who play more than like 200 games a month um you know if that number is small and if that's what they're saying is like likely going to be the tournament players then you know maybe maybe they're justified in not doing it i i don't know um i i, I don't yeah. pretend to have all the information that they have um but i i don't think it's going to hurt the game long term not at all yeah i think we're in agreement. um da -dum -ba -dum -ba -dum. get in your questions any any last questions you guys got or, or suggestions for future discussions always looking for those too things you want to hear us talk about pontificate over for an hour or two by the way we failed once again to make this uh under an hour <laughs> oh this will never i've fully accepted at this point that this is going to be at least two hours every time like i'm i'm done yeah. with that <laughs> Um, we just talked too much, yeah, man. No, I mean, it's fine. Like, I can't keep off tangents. You can't keep off tangents. At this no. point, we should rename it Fun, uh, fun Interactive and Tangents. Um, yeah. Uh, I think they're our best moments, actually. Uh, <laughs> Angela City Gamers asks, uh, Me, Charmer, since you play many card games, as do I, what are some mechanics of other card games you'd like to see incorporated into Legends? Uh, believe it or not, Justin plays a hell of a lot of card games, too, so I'll let him start. <laughs> poorly i play them all poorly um well uh from eternal uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff i think Warcry is fascinating i think that echo is interesting i think warp is interesting those are the ability to play cards from the top of your deck the ability to buff the top creature or equipment in your deck and the ability to uh draw an additional copy of a card when you draw it i think all those are really cool and i'd love to see them in legends um beyond that i just started trying uh Hand of the Gods, that Smite Tactics game. Um, and one of the things I like about that game, one of the keywords is this protectability. It's sort of like a dialed down ward. It probably is just unnecessarily complex, but like I'd love to see like uh, creatures, you know, or that say, you know, all damage dealt to this is reduced by one. I think that's something that you could get, you know, make sense out of pretty simply, although the ward mechanics sort of covers that. Um, for me, I would like to see something like Echo. I would even like to see, like, even if they have to tone it down, right? Like, maybe it's, like, prophecy, like, if you drew this card off of a, uh, off of a rune, add another copy of it to your hand or something, right? Um, but I, like I, I loved Echo, because Echo allowed you to set up some, like, pretty cheeky things and combos in Eternal. Um, yeah. I think Warcry on a large scale could be problematic, again, because of, like, just this game has prophecy and eternal doesn't again i, I don't know yeah. we, we potentially have to see um i think that i'd like to see something almost like that uh like like that protect like maybe they could call it like armor or something that just like mitigates damage uh by yeah. one or something just across the board that could be kind of neat um i would like to see something also that was maybe you know i'd like to see something that potentially like lets you gain five health and restore a rune that would have to be really expensive or maybe on like a unique creature as like a comes into play effect i'd like to see something that um maybe says like your runes can't be broken right like i don't know how that would work th hmm. 
thematically, but... I really want a card that says only one creature may attack each turn, each player may only play one card each turn. Uh, I mean, that's basically it's basically a magic card, that Silent Arbiter, right? It's yeah, there's that. Um, I could see something like that, but it'd have to be lane-specific. I could also see something like Ensnaring Bridge, but for a single lane. Uh, for those of you who bridge. don't know, Ensnaring Bridge <laughs> is that creatures uh, can't attack if they... Um, if their what is it? Their power is higher than the number of cards in your hand. Yeah. So the idea is like if you keep your hand small, then they can't attack you at all. But again, that would have to be lane specific because there would have to be like counterplay of some. It's the uh, engine. It's part of the engine behind. Uh, well, it's not part of the engine, but it's one of the control tools in the uh, my favorite Magic deck of all time, actually, the modern deck Lantern Control. <laughs> Which is yeah. not like, I mean, it's a real deck, but it's not a real deck, too, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, it's so hard because many of the other card games that were wildly different from this or uh, wildly different from Magic, because let's be honest, that's like the, the grandfather of games like this. Um, those games are, like, so different that the mechanics don't translate well over. Like, I've been on record as saying, like, I vastly loved the Decipher games mechanically. Yeah. It, Decipher yeah. was just a shitty business. But, yeah. like, I loved uh, some of the stuff that the Star Wars Decipher game did, but it wouldn't translate well over. And similarly, I loved the Decipher Lord of the Rings game, right? I loved their Twilight Pool mechanic and the idea of, like, you play things, but when you play things, then it gives power to your opponent as well. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like, that's such a, like, an, it would require, like, such an overhaul of, like, how this game would work. Um, you know, like, the equivalent in this would be, like, you play a card, but because you played it, your opponent would get extra magicka on their turn, right? Um, mm. And then you would have to, like, balance around that somehow. So, I mean, maybe yeah. you could put something like that in. Like, maybe it's, you know, maybe that's the drawback, right? Like, maybe it's uh, Mournhold Trader, but instead of leaving a 2-1 behind, it's like it's a 2-cost 4-4, four, four, but your opponent gets uh, um, one extra magicka on the following turn or something. I don't know. I like it. And uh, Garner W writes, "There's a card idea that changed runes to fire runes." I remember that. Like that was a really cool suggestion somebody had a week or two ago, and uh, I, I think that would be sweet too. Kako, uh, Mr. K writes, "Would you support lands? We have support cards that function similarly in terms of affecting the state of the game and rules of the match, mainly Hisgrove by increasing the max magic on top of the additional effects eight eights as well as hidden trail." I would love to see more of those for other colors like Red Support, Seven, Magicka. Make the field lane charge lane that will not be abused by aggro face decks at that cost, but still enable some cool combos. Uh, even at Seven, Magicka, a support card that makes a lane all charge creatures is uh, totally busted, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, charge, like I've said before, like charge is the most broken keyword in the game. Um, there are so many creatures that immediately come to mind where I'm like, if, if I could just give this creature charge, like... Night, Night Talon Lord broken right um <laughs> you know or like anything that i played ramara mark hands on or you know what i mean yeah. like there's so many yeah but yeah i mean i would support things like that i think that changing uh the nature of the lanes just in general is uh, a cool thing yet to be explored um but if you do too much of it then you also have to have uh, easily accessible things to reset them right like right now with hidden trail yeah after you play it even if you blow up hidden trail like you're just like the lanes are the way they are for the rest of the game so that whole idea while i would support it would require 
some additional stuff to make it ebb and flow through the course of a match properly. I'd love to see some more support cards with more global type effects. Um, <clears throat> you could do a lot of like the kind of like prison rule setting type mechanics that I really want to see pushed in red uh, in um, in uh, in as a support card. I think I love the idea of giving red support cards uh, that do crazy things. I think we both, Charmer and I both touched on that when we talked about uh, uh, what we would do with red like six months ago. Uh, and he, Mr. Mr. K adds, the idea is what matter, changing lanes, for instance, similar to Hidden Trail. Yeah, no, I agree. The idea is great. The idea is solid. I, I love support cards because I love changing the, you know, like we've played the game long enough now that we know the rules of the game, right? So things that change the rules of the game, I find super fascinating, right? Because it provides a new experience and uh, makes you think about the game in a different way. So yeah, I'm definitely on board with uh, more support cards like that. Oh, I, I love Maricon's question. These always, I feel like are a, a secret test for the record, uh, because Maricon yeah. is a developer. Whenever he asks questions like this in my head, I feel like he's testing us. Like, I feel like yeah. if I answer wrong, he's going to silently judge me and be like, these idiots don't know anything. But uh, uh, Mer yeah. Maricon asks, if Nighttail and Lord costed 12 and had charge, would it be the best card in the game? Huh. So my gut reaction is, I don't think it would be the best card in the game. To me, I think that it's hard to say any late game card like that is ever the best card because there's no guarantee you make it to 12. But I would, yeah. I would feel very comfortable in saying it might be the best finisher in the game. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, you could go face with it. You could use it to stabilize. Yeah. You could use it to stabilize and steal a creature. Um, right. And the fact that it's not a unique legend and I could run three of them, right? Like, I would I would personally prefer to run, like, three of those over three Manticoras, for example. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking about this, right? Like, it would come down later than it comes down now, right? Like, and Night Talon Lord is, there's like, there are only a hand, you have to silence it, or you have to destroy it, or you have to win the game the next turn after your opponent plays it in order to not just get crushed by it. Um, I wonder if at 12 Magicka it would be too slow to matter, right? Because against the deck that you're going to stabilize on turn 12 by gaining 8 life and maybe stealing one of their creatures, like, wouldn't you be more likely to stabilize with that creature on turn seven eight or nine when you drop it and then swing the next turn like you would they, your opponent wouldn't have a window to react if it had charge but at 12 magicka well so i would counter i, I would counter with this thought like how many times has odavang saved you uh i mean a, a fair number i have to admit right so odavang costs 12 now granted odavang hits everything on the board but i would argue yeah. that um Taking a creature off and gaining eight is probably similar in value to your typical Odaving by the time you play it. But yeah. Odaving's a unique legend, and Nighttail and Lord, you'd be able to run three of them, right? So, like, imagine That's imagine in point. Scout right now, right? Right now, I've lost a yeah. lot of games because, like, I've easily got to 12, and if I had Odaving, like, I just won. But now I could run, yeah, like, three Nighttail and Lords. Um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I just, like, like I said, I think for me, and, th and then it gives you that flexibility that Odaving doesn't, where, like, well, maybe I just go face. <laughs> right. So That's a good point. So for me, like, I think that it would be, like, your best closer, right? But I don't right. think it would be necessarily the best card in the game, because it's, it's just going to be too inefficient or inconsistent, like, on if you get that deep, but... 
I think it would yeah. be the best finisher. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I like it. Uh, we had another uh, question. Heatfire Ash asks, uh, what do you think about cards that would give your actions extra damage when on the field? I think you actually talked about this a few weeks ago, right? I may have. I talk about a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I I believe we decided we didn't want to see it, right? Um, I guess for me, the danger in something like that, I guess I wouldn't say I don't want to see it, but I think that the danger in something like that is anytime that you add something like that to a game, um, well, I guess I'll put it like this. At its core... Legends is a game that's meant to be played around creatures, right? It's not like Magic the Gathering um, where you can get away with like creatureless uh, style decks and, and so forth. And that might be a play type or a play archetype that people like. I certainly enjoyed it when I played Magic. But, you know, Legends is built around like you've got a field lane and a shadow lane and you have creatures that can directly attack each other. Um, so there's this like emphasis on like creature combat and creature interaction and playing cards like that where you're then uh, upping the potential damage of your actions is something that potentially I'm not saying it would outright but potentially rewards a play style that isn't based around creature interaction right you yeah. could set up like the like I try to get somebody low enough and then, you know, if I get a couple of these guys on the board, I, you know, lightning bolt and crushing blow somebody to death or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that even still happens, like, now, but there's that... And I know slippery slope is a shitty argument, don't get me wrong, but there is that slippery slope of, like, do you, is, that a, is that a play style that you, like, really want to promote in a, in a game where, like, creatures are supposed to be the core? And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with everything you just said. Uh, I mean, I can't even present a compelling argument for the other side, to be honest with you. I, 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 I'm struggling to uh, to do that, so I'm sorry I can't fill my co-host co job with that one there. I'm also sort of getting, like, watching this drama unfold in chat. <laughs> like, I can't really follow the argument because I didn't see the beginning and I'm not going to scroll up, but uh, apparently we're playing host to... Uh, little discussion about uh, variants and uh, MMR. Oh, and I just got 600 gold. Well. Hell yeah. We're eating bread tonight. Or sweet rolls, I guess. So, uh, another uh, question. Absolutely Terabad. I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. I love that name. Uh, what if they great. changed Terranus to fill your hand with as many random actions as could fit? Uh, still not constructed playable. Wow, really? I would actually say the opposite. I think that think so? I think he becomes like a high end finisher for Assassin. Like I would, I would almost play him in a slot over an Atromancer. Because if you think about it, like, at that point in the game, you're going to be running so low on gas, Justin. Like, the fact that I could play him, and even if I get, like, seven actions, if they were truly random. Yeah. Now, if we're talking, like, random zero costs, like a Smuggler's Hall, all right, not, yeah. not a deal. But, like, yeah. if I'm talking about truly, like, just random actions, and I could get Soul Tears, I could get 
lightning bolts, yeah. I could get Dawn's Wraths, whatever the case may be, and I'm getting seven or eight of those bad boys, like, that's, that's pretty I, huge. Like, I've already been salty at losing to, like, something weird off of a single Telvanni Arcanist. I can't imagine that on steroids. Yeah. I think that, like, my, the reason I say that is that uh, Battle Mage's Onslaught's not played. Battle Mage's Onslaught, like the most however, uh, to quickly jump in here, um, yeah. I think is played at the wrong point on a curve and also doesn't have a body on the board, right? This would be something that gives you a body and it's likely going to be played when you want to fill your hand. And also, Battle Mage's Onslaught is... Um, just a class card whereas this could against like speaker could go yeah. assassin could go in mage right like imagine a control mage yeah um, i or agree a I, I've, or... I've said before that the worst part about battle mage's onslaught and the reason it's not tier one is that you have to play battle mage in order to play it <laughs> like literally every other color combination can afford that tempo loss except battle mage <laughs> all right it's interesting oh We've been we've been asked to design a sweet roll related cards on the spot. Oh, that's a, what you got, that's man. A good question. Um, poison sweet roll. Uh, it's a one one roll with lethal. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what color is poison sweet roll, man? Uh, it's a neutral two cost. Fair enough. Actually, I, I would probably draft that from time to time. Uh, that's a great, like, uh, you know, hole filler as far as arena goes. Um, sweet roll related card. Master Chef, uh, start of your turn, create a sweet roll. Uh, this creature's attack and defense are equal to the number of sweet rolls you have in control. <laughs> Costs one. <laughs> I, I think it would be kind of cool if, hear me out, if our second alternate win condition card, so we have the Jarl, right? I want something yeah. that's like the sweetest chef or something. <laughs> and it's literally like if you have, like if you have a lane filled with sweet rolls, you win the game. Or like, I like if, that. or if your board is only sweet rolls or something, right? Like give me, give me the incentive to like, play alter but like with no one drops so that i can just keep making sweet rolls and then my opponent like it creates that just the existence of that card would create such an interesting dynamic where like my opponent would be like all right he's made two sweet rolls do i have to start killing the, the sweet rolls right like can i risk still going face like i like it i think oh, that would man. be kind of fun dude sinistar 99 just wrote the <laughs> the colonel Turn an angry chicken into a sweet roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maricon with the pun. That's a sweet yeah. design. Dude, you nailed it. Oh my god, oh. I can't, I can't tough that. That's too good. Oh man. Uh, Zombie Hunter asks, have I ever stolen a sweet roll for flavor? I haven't. When I was homeless, I used to steal bread to survive. Uh, and then WebNG writes, TSL, TESL unrelated, do you take advantage of the high Colorado mountains? So I'm not sure if this is a pun or not. I haven't smoked weed since 2010. Um, so the high part is out of the uh, question. But yes, yeah, Sandra and I do go into the mountains. Um, I live right at the foot of uh, North Table Mountain. Um, 
on the outskirts of Denver. We go up there. Uh, we go to Lookout Mountain. I mean, it's right there. You know, you go out on the front porch, like you see the mountains. So we're in there. We're out there all the time. I'm not in Colorado, so I don't take advantage of uh, high mountains. Though they do have mountains in the northern part of Michigan. Um, but I also typically don't go there either because I'm a troll. Uh, fun fact, if you live in Michigan, um, if you live in the Upper Peninsula, you're a Uper, which is uh, like a play on uh, Upper Peninsula gets shortened to UP, and then if you live in the UP, you're a Uper. And if you live in the Lower Peninsula, like myself, uh, you're a troll because there is a bridge that connects the Upper and Lower Peninsula called the Mackinac Bridge. And people wow. who live under the bridge are trolls because trolls live under the bridge. So... Uh, you've Fair now enough. learned some local Michigan slang and a bit of geography. Uh, you can at least say you learned one thing in this broadcast. <laughs> wow. That is funny. I think, I, I think I've maybe heard you refer to yourself as a troll before in the context of living in Michigan, but I didn't understand it till now. So Yeah, no, that, like it's a legitimate, you know, it's not like me being har har internet troll. Like you're a yeah. troll if you live in the Lower Peninsula. I feel like my life is a little bit more complete now than it was a minute ago. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Kaniac says, fix the least played card in the game that you feel could be made playable with a minor tweak. That's difficult. I always say that I want to see Somerset Orrery changed to uh, draw a card and then put, the, put a card from your hand back on top of your deck, but I don't think that's a minor change. But I do think yeah. that would take potentially, um, you know the the least played card and like give it some life and i yeah i won't rehash that because i talk about it a lot but i was gonna play a a low you know pick a low played card and make a a minor change um hmm i'm trying to think of low low played cards that uh i think have have some like potential value there right um a minor a minor tweak yeah the minor tweak is what it's trying to hang me up uh <laughs> i'll wait for you because i, I have some troll answers I'll, I'll go with um mage's guild retreat and i'll say that yeah. it needs to have a chance of making any atronach and not just the three i think mage's guild retreat if it can start pulling the lava atronachs or iron atronachs or things like that even if it is just a chance um suddenly becomes well worth the like time and effort it would take to set that off i think that uh if house kinsman was a three three instead of a three two <laughs> it would see a lot of play <laughs> yeah or if aware bat was a four three yep that one too it's a small change i think it would make it really playable yeah oh uh, I'm trying to think of actual answers. I think that Malefic Wreath, the uh, green action that costs three and gives a creature minus two, minus two, I think if it gave it minus three, minus two, it would see a ton of play. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big bump in power, though, too, obviously. I will say this about this game. Yeah. Uh, Legends, in my opinion, it showcases exactly how well it's balanced when you consider how often a one stat change in any direction vastly impacts the playability of a card, right? Like, literally, yeah, one attack power or one health, one way or the other, like, literally will change the frequency of how much a card is played. And to me, that speaks a lot about uh, 
the level of balance, you know? I agree. Um, why did you start playing HS God HS? Question: Why did you start playing Elder Scrolls Legends, and what keeps you making here, making content, and playing this game at the level that you play at? Why don't you answer that one first, man? Um, I mean, I started uh, playing Legends because I love card games, and I'm always looking to check stuff out. So, like, I applied for the beta just because I, I like card games. Um, what keeps me like playing and making content is just that. Right now, I don't think there's another game on the market that has uh, the combination of interesting mechanics, interesting like intellectual property and lore, and um, I don't know, like community that this does. Like, not that our community is always like the best of the best, right? But there's a lot of people and a lot of good friends that I've made in this community, and that helps a lot in keeping me active. Um, I think that the mechanics are built in such a way that I can envision how they, they work and intertwine. And as somebody who is like an amateur design nerd, I think that there's a lot of room there. Uh, and then when you combine it with the lore and intellectual property, right? Like, like I like trying to think of like what custom cards would be for this game, right? Now I also, yeah. for example, love the Witcher universe. And I also think Gwent is very well designed, but like, I'm never going to say like, hey, I would really like to design this custom card for Gwent because at the end of the day, and this isn't a knock against the game because I enjoy it, but like Gwent is just math. There's not, like, it's literally like I play this card and it's worth this many points one way or the other, like period. Yeah. Where like this game I can think about like interactions and how can I make a creature embody what it was like in the game or, you know, in some lore aspect. And to me, that keeps me coming back. I really enjoy that. It feels like that computer that won Jeopardy would be the world's best Gwent player, but I'm not sure they'd be the world's best Elder Scrolls Legends player. You think Watson is uh, the best yeah. Gwent player ever? I could see that. Yeah. Um, as far as how I got involved, I was playing Hearthstone. I thought it was kind of shitty. Uh, I saw an advertisement for the beta. I don't know how I got that email, but uh, I signed up for it because I loved Elder Scrolls and uh, got in in May. Nobody was making videos when closed beta dropped out, so I got a hold of a camera and uh, started doing it. And I keep doing it because I have a ton of fun reading the comments on the videos and interacting with the community. And I mean, I love the game too. But there are a lot of games I like that I don't play as much as I play Legends. Um, it's for me, it's just like the opportunity to experience something fun like this. And I'm like, I basically like. Uh, so like my f the type of stream the type of content that I watch on online um, is what I create right like and I just I take a lot of satisfaction like knowing that sometimes I'm able to provide the same kind of like really enjoyable experience to people that like other people provide to me and being part of that circle I feel like encourages more people to get out there and do things that make other people happy and uh, I feel like I'm affecting positive change as a result I mean, that's why I do what I do for a living, too. But um, I think being part of it in the games community is a really unique opportunity and one that I, you know, don't take for granted. So Your answer was way better than mine. Can I take mine back Man, now? Lately, I've been uh, working doing fundraising. <laughs> so I've been working on my, like, uh, 
My speeches. <laughs> My speeches. Oh. You've gotten like three subscribers tonight, man. So what's up? Yeah, I know. I feel really bad because I normally make a big hoopla about it and the notifications are on, but because I don't want like all the sounds going off for the broadcast, I, I currently have them turned off, but that doesn't mean I don't see them. And I certainly yeah. appreciate it and love it, and it gets me that much closer to unlocking some sweet new emotes as well. Some dude asked us what our favorite beers are. Um, well, I know what yours is, so I guess I'll go yeah. first. Um, uh. <laughs> I'll admit that uh, I don't drink a ton of alcohol, and when I do, I actually prefer hard ciders because, like, I'm a girl at heart, and I like my things either minty or, like, citrusy, um, which also <laughs> kind of leads into what my, my favorite beer is. But I, when I do drink beer, I really enjoy Blue Moon because I like the, like, orange citrusy taste that it has. Cool. And yeah, I don't drink, so. Uh, Glyph asks, what do you think Pilfermonk needs to become tier one? Um, sarcastic answer, just like uh, Boom's Life Planet. <laughs> that guy does crazy things with Monk. Uh, realistic answer, I don't know. It's hard to say. The two, the, the two cards that like are powerful in that deck are... The combo, right? Like Master of Thieves and Thieves Den, and yeah. you can put that in any any monk deck, right? So, like, if it depends what you consider a, a pilfer deck, like, there's no real incentive to just run a deck full of creatures with pilfer. You know, they do synergize with Master of Thieves, but Master of Thieves plus Thieves Den is way more powerful than the creatures that are already existing that that, that have that have pilfer printed on them as it is. I think that Charmer, you've talked about this in the past a little bit, though, and I know you have some thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean. I think that Pilfer, I firmly believe that Pilfer will never be truly tier one um, because it, because it's based entirely around like going face, it embodies, in my opinion, the best of the snowball classes in terms of like raw potential, right? Like you're rewarding the, the board, right? You're re rewarding your creatures for trying to kill your opponent. And if your stuff only gets better while your opponent is getting in a worse and a worse and a worse state, um, it can create mm. some very unfun one-sided experiences. So inherently, yeah. I think that they need to like kind of be undertuned in many ways to just prevent like the outright steamroll snowball effects. Um, so I think that they'll always be like viable, but never truly tier one, just because of like the danger there like if you overtune it even just a little bit i think that pilfer has the potential to just run wild that's my opinion as well i like that the, the direction monk is headed since the course set release has been towards life gain as like an identity i think that's really interesting um and i like that as the overlap between the two classes in i mean like personally i felt like pilfer as a mechanic sort of felt out of place in willpower um, to begin with, so the direction they've gone since uh, the core set has been something I've really supported. Yeah, if Pilfer ends up not being quote-unquote supported in the future, I would really like it to be um, like a combination of life gain and movement. Like I think Monk's Strike, for example, is like the ideal step in the right direction for the class. Something that yeah. focuses like mobility and survivability. I agree. Um, I agree. Before it gets lost, uh, S. Judd asked me specifically, three jobs, wife and kids, lots of streaming, how much cocaine do you consume daily? Uh, no cocaine, but lots of coffee. Um, lots and <laughs> lots of coffee. 
That's fair. Um, I love coffee, man. It just comes down I... to like when you work as much as I do. Uh, even though I should just go to bed, I a lot of times I need time to decompress and yeah. playing games and making content and like this is definitely a passion of mine, right? So like this is my decompression. This is what I look forward to at the end of the day. Um, so yeah. Yeah. S J U D. I've never stolen a car to pay for coffee. <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right. This has been a good night. This has been a good night. I needed this. I yeah, needed this. You and me both, buddy. I definitely needed this after. Yeah. After a week like this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Should we take this one last question here? Um. Yeah. I felt like there was still one other question that I had uh, missed. Oh yeah. Well, there was the Ian bits one. Is that the one you're referring to? No, no, no. Go ahead and do that one. Uh, Ian Bitt said, okay, non-dumb question. As a new YouTube content creator, how do you guys approach the dissonance uh, between effort and views? It's tough for me knowing the videos I haven't cared about are the ones out viewing the videos I've put a ton of time in. This is uh, actually something yeah. you and I have talked about. So, <laughs> Yeah, I've had this thought. Uh, the short answer is that I have absolutely no idea what makes some people successful and some of their content successful and some of it unsuccessful. Uh, my favorite videos that I make are some of the least viewed ones I've made. A lot of it has to do, I think, with the clickbaitiness of your title. <laughs> like I recently played Ray Ray Barker's deck and titled the video um, The Coolest Deck You've Never Played, right? And I was trying to be sarcastic because like, the deck list looks like just a straight pile of garbage, but I, uh, I managed to win three games in a row with it on camera, so I was like, well, this, this should be entertaining. And then the video got like 5,000 views in like three days. Um, and my videos usually average around 2,000, 2,500 views. So, uh, yeah, you can con people into watching your content if you want. But it's hard. I don't know. I don't know what makes people, some people successful at this and some not. I, I, Charmer, what do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, so for me, I can say without like a shadow of a doubt, um, most of the videos that I am the most proud of are some of the least views, uh, least viewed. Yeah. Um, the ones that I put the most effort into, um, with the, so I will say like, I'm really happy with my card reveals and I always try to put a lot of effort into those, but those are going to get like a lot of views just by the nature of their spoiling content. Right. But like when I think of like yeah. the videos that I personally enjoy the most and put a lot of effort into are never my most viewed ones. And I'm okay with that. Because at the yeah. end of the day, the, the real truth is, like, I'm not, this is going to sound, like, really shitty for you guys as viewers, but, like, I'm not making content for you guys 100%. That doesn't mean I don't, like, listen to your feedback and I don't consider it, but, like, I'm making it for me. Like, I'm making stuff that I'm excited about, right? And so, yeah. like, I don't, I'm, I'm not doing this to make money. Like, do I monetize my stuff? Yeah, because that's because, like, my streaming setup is kind of a hot pile and it's quickly degrading and any of the stuff that I ever get in back in money, I always put back into the stream, back into content. Um, this yeah. is a hundred percent a hobby for me. Uh, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not going to quit my three jobs and then like suddenly start streaming full time is I guess what I'm trying to say, right? Like this isn't my, my path to, <laughs> this isn't like my path to fame or riches or whatever the case may be. 
So, yeah, the, same here. you know, for me, like, I'm making something that, like, I just want to make for me. So, like, I can tell you, like, just, just here for giggles, right? Like, let me pull up, like, my YouTube channel, and I'll talk about some of the ones that are not necessarily viewed a lot, but are, are things on my channel that I uh, personally am a, a big fan of, right? Um... Let's see, I, and I know this because I can go like right down to, I think I have a playlist like Charmer's Favorites, right? So like I've got, um, the three that have a lot of views are the card reveal, the card reveal, and what does the meta mean? And I put a lot of effort into those because I knew that those were gonna be like Bethesda related, spoiler related. The what does the meta mean one was like uh, for the content creator showcase. But like by nature, those are gonna have lots of views, right? Uh, next up is my Alina Banak play of the game, where I took the Overwatch, like, overlay stuff and mm -hmm. put it to the Alina lethal. To me, like, that's just fun because I was doing something, like, cheeky and creative, right? Yeah. Um, but then, like, as I'm going through some of these, like, the sometimes lucky uh, video that's in my favorites, right? I enjoy that because it's showcasing a lot of times where I got really lucky playing Prophecy, but it's only got, like, 300 views, which is, like not the you know 1000 2000 that the other ones have some of my old culling videos i really enjoyed from that game the slenderman reaction highlights from my wife playing that game uh crack me up every time i watch it 249 views even when it comes to legend stuff like i adore almost all of the uh the forge videos i made why because i love talking about design and thinking up custom cards but those always get yeah. less views than my gameplay stuff does for example so like, yeah. I guess to me, I would say just focus on like doing what you enjoy and that will make sure that you keep doing it. If you're just trying to like chase the views, there is a method that you can do to do that. And I would suggest just like Googling YouTube marketing methods and like you'll hear about the clickbaity titles. There are ways that you right. can leverage and exploit the YouTube algorithm to get more views. Like there is a business case to be made there. I can just tell you that myself and I know Justin because I've had this conversation with him. Uh, just yeah. don't do that stuff because like the success right. isn't necessarily what we're chasing. Right. No. Yeah. I, I just to kind of add to some of those, the comments. Um, yeah, I also don't want to do this for a living. It's a hobby that, uh, that I really enjoy. I, uh, I monetize the videos to pay for the costumes and the equipment to make the videos. Although I am giving away all the money the channel makes in September to recovery efforts in Puerto Rico. And when I actually make that donation, I will uh, show everybody where exactly that money's going. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. My most successful video is a game I played against Kalento, followed by the first episode of From Loser to Legend, I think. Uh, and you know, I was thinking about like what makes me want to watch somebody else, and it's just I'm just like looking for authentic people, you know. Like even if they're people I don't have anything in common with. Or maybe I, you know, don't know anything about personally. Like if they seem they're just seem like they're just like genuine dudes, like doing their own thing. Like I'm much more inclined to like watch long enough to see if I actually like their content. You know what I mean? Like it seems like so many YouTubers are out there making. And this is not about Elder Scrolls Legends content creation, really. But a lot of people on YouTube are like making stuff where they're trying to play to a certain audience, and they're they're just they, they just feels like fake, man. I don't know, and I just. I'm just not into that. I don't have time for that. Yeah, I can I can assure you guys 100% that I am as boring in real life as I appear in all of my videos. Um, yeah. Like, it is it is naturally, <laughs> like, just, like, 
you know, one of my one of my jobs is I teach college courses at night, right? And like that is that's yeah. just me. Like I'm just that that dude. I'm actually probably more charming in person and teaching college and whatever than I am in my videos. Um, yeah, I'm probably my own worst enemy, but. Yeah, the, the only thing I do that's, like, sort of inauthentic is I don't swear in my videos, and that's just because, like, I was thinking when I started doing this about, like, uh, kids, uh, you know, watching some, like, want, being really into card games, and Elder Scrolls Legends is, like, one of the few Elder Scrolls titles that's not rated mature, so it's, like, the most likely entry point into the Elder Scrolls universe for someone who's younger, and, uh, I just didn't want like mom or dad. Maybe this is just me being old and dumb, but like mom or dad walking by and juniors watching me on the thing and I'm dressed as an orc and I'm saying, fuck this and fuck that. You know, like I, I just feel like that's not going to help anybody out. Yeah. No. And I, in real life, I swear all the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can understand that sentiment I, for me. Like I, because this was my passion project and because like I work as many jobs as I do and I'm censoring myself there and I, I don't always do it, but, yeah. like, I try to censor myself around my kids a bit. Like, by the time I sit down here, I'm just like, fucking right. A, man. Like, I'm, I'm not going to censor myself. And then, you know, I'm even right. more, I guess, emboldened to do it just knowing that, like, Pete has no problems with dropping an F-bomb at E3 on the main stage. So, like, if people right. are into the Elder Scrolls or any other Bethesda title, they've probably heard Uncle Pete, you know, drop it. So I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I'm probably safe, but... I can understand that. See, I swear at the office all the time. I mean, you know, like I work in a place where most people there did time in prison and uh, our policy on language is uh, therapeutic professional language with lots of swearing. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. Like I'm in state government, nonprofit right. education and, uh, you know, yeah. college professor. So, right. Yeah. I don't swear. Uh, where do I not swear? I don't swear on Sandra's parents. That's, that's good. We got to make sure that they still think you're a charming young boy. Yeah, they know about the channel now, though. Actually, oh, good. good. <laughs> they're fan. They're fans. <laughs> uh, awesome. Do we miss any any questions? Uh, you know, somebody said that they wanted to thank you for all the hard work you do. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Hey, I, I appreciate it, man. I'm sorry I took a week off. It's only the second time I've done anything like this. The other time was when my computer died. But I've just been like so busy this last week that I just needed a few days to come home and uh, not do anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm also sorry that my schedule's been shit for like a month. But um, between the jobs and then the nonstop stream of like family uh, health issues right. and then subsequent death. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a trying time around my household in general, so. I understand. Oh, Ozzy says he asked a question. Let's get, that's, this is the one I saw as the last question. Uh, are there any other aspects or flavors of classes you would like to see explored, i.e. battle mage based on what strength is, ideally is, same with intelligence. Are there other aspects of this color identity you'd like to see brought about? Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, and we touched on it this week with our discussion about Monk and how, like, I think we both agree that the life gain, sustain kind of uh, card, like, identity for Monk is something we like that's been developed recently. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff like that. Um, I like the draw card, discard a card together mechanic as a sorcerer thing, for instance, because it synergizes with uh, aspects of both classes, right? Like, the drawing that uh, that 
blue does and the uh, reanimation that purple does. So I, I like the filter mechanic, if you want to call it like that from Magic, where you draw multiple cards and discard multiple cards. Yeah, I believe the Magic Sling is a uh, looter, right? The old, looter, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's right. Merfolk looter. Right. No, I, uh... I think that there's probably some that could be explored. Um, i trying to think of stuff that's already not pretty heavy-handed, though. Like, I think that Ramp obviously straddles the Scout class. Um, but, like, if I had to find something else in Scout, for example, that I think could be upped, I think that, um, like, minus minus and or transform like transform in general is something i'd like to see more of maybe that's like a warrior thing right like warrior has beast form and then we also yeah. have an in endurance things like lay down arms and mummify and those so like yeah. between the two of them i would like to see it like both proactively and reactively like transforming my own creatures to make them big and transforming my opponent's creatures because yeah. all of the all the hard removal in both endurance and for the most part even in strength has always been conditional anyway so maybe yeah. that becomes like the control warrior theme, if you will. I could see that being kind of cool. I'd like to see more. Uh, I think that it exists. Like I don't. I don't think it's like breaking anything about the color's identities to say that Crusader could do a whole lot with uh, rule setting mechanics and uh, particularly support cards that change the nature of each game of the game. Oh man, I, I want to see so much more. Like rule setting stuff so that i can do i need to just like bring out my inner justin larson right like i want to do a video where i'm the crusader cop and i dress up like a cop nice. and i literally just like every every <laughs> game i set rules and then when somebody breaks them like i play a rest and i'm just like you know pull over <laughs> show me your id you know how fast were you going that's awesome uh, I have I have an idea actually. The next time I die to a prophecy lightning bolt from my opponent, Sandra and I have worked out an idea for something we're going to do. Like we have it preloaded. I just haven't been killed by a prophecy lightning bolt in quite a while. Um, but stay tuned for that because that when that happens, we'll have something goofy going on. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting with the exception of prophecy battle mage. I haven't seen a whole lot of intelligence on the ladder. It's the, yeah, I've agree. been saying it for a while. Now is the best time, I think, in Legends history to play things that died a lightning bolt. So pop out those Markarth Bannerman and Quinral Burglars, gang. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> Elder Scrolls Legends cop. Yeah. We do need to make a video at some point. We could probably collaborate in a way that, like, <clears throat> you film your parts, send them to me, and we, like, edit it together here. Yeah, or we could just have an excuse to uh, have me come out. I got really bummed. Yeah. I saw there's another thing floating around about, like, are any of the content creators going to TwitchCon? And oh, yeah. I desperately want to attend uh, this year, but I I just can't. Um, not only Where is I, TwitchCon? Uh, it's in California, but, like, I don't have... I don't have the funds, and uh, I'm not even sure that I'm going to have the time because I don't even think I get bereavement time at um, okay. a state job. So yeah. the the days I've missed this week, I think, are going to drain pretty much most of my personal time between okay. the like funeral and all that stuff. So I would really love to go, though. I'm I'm gonna maybe try for next year. The problem is, is like I said, like this is my hobby, so like I just don't have like you know money or funds or stuff set aside for that but I, I would have loved to have won but i'd also love an excuse to come out and see you and see the guys from direwolf too um it's just That'd be sweet. finances i understand 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've taken one vacation day this year, and that was to, uh, to I took the eclipse, the when the solar eclipse happened, I took that day off. So I have plenty of time to go do things, but I just, uh, I don't know, I like to work, so. Yeah, I wish I could say that my all my, like, vacation days go to fun stuff, but the in truth, right. nine, 9 out of 10 times, it's either stuff like it's been this week, or it's yeah. been um, for, like, my kids, right? Like, kids' events, or yeah. my kids are sick, or, like, I'm sick from my kids, because... Uh, I used to be like a beacon of health, man. And then I had kids and they just bring everything home. Like, oh, yeah, man. Like clockwork, too. Like, I can tell you, like, first two weeks of September, first two weeks of January, every year I get sick. Because that's like when the kids go back to school, you know? Yeah, I agree. I Sometimes when I see my niece, like, I can just... Well, whenever I see my niece, actually, I can count on getting sick. Drun Korea asks how many vacation days I have per year. I have two and a half weeks paid vacation every year. Yeah, I, th I think that technically my accrual rates for my job at the state right now equal, I think, like three weeks of vacation a year. I don't know, because, yeah. like, it's it's weird. I just moved to that job. I used to work at a different nonprofit, like, education thing, and I started uh, working for my state government in June, and I legitimately, like, I know I get accruals per paycheck, but, like, I don't remember what it is now. Um, but yeah. I, I think it's, like, around like three weeks a year roughly yeah i will say though like uh yeah well no i mean i'm salaried so like if i get my work done and i see the clients i need to see like i can come in one day in that week but uh oh yeah like i used to be salaried but at the new job i'm not right so yeah the you know paid vacation is just sort of what they call it they're just like you can take two and a half weeks to you know fuck off and do whatever but then, like, if I want to leave at noon or I don't want to come in, like, they don't care. So Yeah. No, my old job is like that, but the state is um, – I'm not, like, part of the union or anything, but my, my work rights are basically, like, whatever the union negotiates, they just give to my work group. So I'm, like, yeah. union without being union, I guess, and they're really big on their, like, hours of accrual and time and blah, blah, blah. So – Right. Um, uh, yeah, I think we can take unpaid leave, though. I think in my first year, it's typically frowned on. But then even still, like, can I afford to take unpaid leave? Like, one of the reasons that I work the, the three jobs I do is, uh, like, two of them are, like, to pay the bills. And then I do teaching just because I enjoy it, not because I make a lot of money, that's for sure. Um, but uh, my wife is staying at home. So, like, she used to be a preschool teacher. And when we had kids, we had that talk of, um, can we... You know, do we want her to go to work to basically just pay for daycare or and then like have somebody else watch our kids or does she just want to like stay at home with the kids and we decided that that's what she was going to do. So uh, I work two jobs so that uh, my kids can go to a good preschool and so that my wife can stay at home. Um, but that also means not a whole lot of disposable income. So you're a good man, Charmer. Uh, Kaniac says that he saw Romanesco in 22 games in a row last night with a mage deck. Um, I'd believe that. My mage is really strong. I've had nights... I don't think I've ever hit 22. I had a night that I hit 19 in a row. I remember nice. really specifically. But I don't think I've ever hit 22 in a row. There were times like when uh, Open Beta first happened where I won, you know, I think maybe... I mean, I, th I, mean, I don't want to get 
ridiculous here, but I think I probably lost like two or three games at most on my way to Legend. It's been a long time since that happened, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The funniest win streak I've had recently was like a month and a half ago when I took Mono Yellow Jarl Balgriff onto the ladder and won five in a row. Uh, the very first time I ever played Pilfer Monk, and keep in mind this was like after I'd been playing for a year. Um, yeah. Because I just never opened Master of Thieves. So one right. night I broke down and I was like, whatever. I've never played it. We're just going to play it. I know I'm going to lose games because like it's Pilfer Monk, but whatever. We're going to play it. I crafted the stuff to play it, and I won my first five games. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's because I kept drawing the combo, and then like after that, it returned to like, oh yeah, this is why Pilfer Monk isn't viable. But for those first five, it was so much fun. Um, yeah. You know, Thieves, Thieves Den Master of Thieves is a lot of fun, but you know what else is a lot of fun? Uh, Master of Thieves and Bandit Ringleader. Um, right. Right. That, yeah, you've been you, you've been mentioning that. I need to, I need to make that a thing. I yeah. need to make that a thing that I do. You draw so many cards, Justin. I love it. That's true. I do love drawing cards. <laughs> it's without a doubt my favorite thing to do in the game. Oh my gosh! Just give me a support that says like when you draw a card, deal one damage to your opponent, and I will build a combo oh. deck so hard out of that. Yeah. What colors is that? Is that a battle mage support card? Um. I think it's definitely like blue, but I don't know if it's Battle Mage. I would almost think that that might be Mage. I think Mage is the most like rewarding for drawing cards, maybe. Fair enough. I mean, I know it's a Magic card. I know it's Underworld Dreams, Ray Ray. I'm just saying in this game. Right. I would lean towards Battle Mage or Assassin, personally. Like, I'm trying to think, like, because, like, blue can do direct damage. But, I don't know, like, where's, like, where does the, the, the dealing damage to your opponent fit into mage? Is, is it just the, is it just the card draw stuff that you're drawing off the yellow from? Well, I think it's both that, and I also think that, I think that if you put it personally, like, in Assassin, I think it might almost be too good. <laughs> because of the amount yeah. of card draw, but it might be even too good even in mage. I just... I like the idea of it going in something like Mage because you're not going to want to play something like that in Mage Control because you don't want to accidentally trip runes. Right. Right. That's fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess Ozzy's right. I guess it's Niv Mizzet. Sorry. Uh, Underworld Dreams is when they draw a card. My bad. Although I'd like to see that too. I'd like to see like when my opponent draws a card. Uh, Niv Mizzet's right. when you draw. And part of what many infinite loops, but. Uh, Ray Ray Barker asks, uh, have matchmaking oddities caused issues for either of you? Uh, I played against somebody who's ranked 7 today, which was weird. That hasn't happened in over a year. <laughs> so I don't know what's up with that. If my if I've just managed to finally destroy my MMR <laughs> or what? I mean, I feel like I feel like any night that I try to seriously climb, like when I'm yeah. just like I'm going to sit down and climb, that seems to always be the night I play against people who are not legend, but are instead like rank one trying to hit legend. Right. And I always call those the high risk, low reward. Cause like I win and I move up like 10 spots. And if I lose, I drop like 35. Yeah. Right. And it's only like right. nights when I'm playing casual and I'm playing like fun meme stuff. I get matched up against like turquoise link or Iny. And then when I'm like, I'm going to seriously climb yeah. tonight, it's like rank one, rank one, rank one. Yeah. That's funny. So that makes sense. 
Yeah. It's pen writes exclamation point drop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> All right, man. I think we did good tonight. I mean, I think we do good every night, but I do, but I think we're getting better. I think I think that I'm I'm glad we had old Justin back with his big backpack to carry me. <laughs> yeah, I sucked last week, man. But it's it's not like uh it's not like I'm great on a normal night. I was just worse last week. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, if you so if you guys have any ideas for things you want to hear us talk about in the future, go ahead and tweet a, tweet those at us. Uh I can promise you that Charmer will read them. <laughs> and I'll try. I'll try. But this is a lot of fun. I appreciate everybody chatting with us. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the whole reason we do this, right? That's right. This is great. All right, gang. Um, I'm obviously going to still stick around afterward, like always. But uh, we're going to yeah. wrap up the cast here. So, um, you know, love you guys. May you walk on warm sands. Justin, we'll say see you on the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in the gauntlet, guys. You're did all I, toast. Did I just uh, shadow foot your, your sign-off? You, you, you did, dude. Now I'm going to take one damage. Oh. <laughs> all right, night, guys. Peace.